Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones, two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Most of my patients would disagree with you. Okay. Do you always carry your medical records around with you? Saves time. Files says you've got a degree from NYU. What in? Philosophy. Any particular discipline? No, not really. Um, man's search for faith, that sort of shit. Come up with any answers? Not too many. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. Nice work. Good clean stitches. Thank you. <laughs> Do you ever win a fight? Nobody ever wins a fight. Thanks. Listen, uh, if uh, you'd like to stop by the Double Deuce sometime, I could buy you a cup of coffee, you know, if you have. Happen to be in the neighborhood. You know, for that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Gee, I've never heard that before. something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 256, Roadhouse Revisited. The only thing that's missing is your ass. <laughs> this is a huge episode for us. Some maybe would say this is the greatest moment in the history of forever. I think it's in the argument. It's a contender. If it's not number one, it's a podium finish. We thought so highly of Roadhouse that in the early days of the show, when we didn't know how long we would be doing it, and we certainly didn't expect to be doing it this long, we made it one of our first milestones. And That's it was right. Yeah. Originally episodes number 25 and 26. And at that point, the conversation around like, well, the show could be ending soon. Yeah. <laughs> Just off the charts. That conversation all the time. June 28th, 2016, and July 9th, 2016. And it was a rare feat for us in the early 
days of the show, the first 100 or so episodes, because if you added up the two episodes, you were over two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. It so was a marathon for us. We milked a lot out of Roadhouse, and we're going to milk even more out of Absolutely. it now. Because those were the days where we, we really struggled for content. And this is a special milestone episode, because if you add up everything we've posted, including the Give Us a Seconds and everything else on the record, whatever, this is officially the 300th thing that we've posted. Oh, a secret milestone. All together. Yeah. I just noticed that, and I was like, how perfect, Roadhouse... All right. Right where we need to be. <laughs> I, I watched this twice to get ready for this episode. And I watch it twice a week Yeah, in general. When I first put it on, I, I don't know, probably like 15 or 20 minutes into it, I was like, man, this movie is just so great. Like, I just love this movie. It's unbelievable. It was a joy to do the notes. I was actually excited to yeah. finish them because I split it up over two nights. And I was like, I got to get back into it. Obviously, there's like so much to goof on here. The whole world is insane. But really, there is a quality to this movie that I really enjoy, too, that I do, I do feel like is missing in modern entertainment. Yeah, it's called fun. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Finally, someone's saying it. Folks, this is going to be a long one. We got a lot to get to. So let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter where you can let us know if you'd like a sticker or have a listener request, which we'll circle back to in a minute. And that name is at GreatestPod. Also, please subscribe to the show. I know there's probably a few more casual listeners than I than I care for. I would like everyone to be subscribed, please, because there's a noticeable dip when we do things like Married with Children. <laughs> that you're not interested in? <laughs> yeah, please. You should be downloading the episodes even if you don't want to listen to them. Sometimes we're able to make the content fun, even if it's something that you're unfamiliar with. I know. Some of the ones that are like low download numbers are the funniest episodes to oh, me. Oh, dude. I think the Salute Your Shorts episode might be my favorite episode of the year. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. So let's talk about the listener requests. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, really. They've been pouring in since Just our recent announcement. Opened up the floodgates. I'm starting to send like texts out to some of the friendly listeners. Get your list in now because the window is going to slam shut here based on how many are flying in. Yeah, so even if you had previously sent in a listener request and we did it, we are opening it up for everybody for 2022. However, we are only doing one a month and we've already been getting them in. So hurry up or you're going to end up at the end of next year or something if you don't get those in a as soon as possible if you don't really care or don't have one then don't worry about it but we're pretty open as long as it's a movie that we haven't done before we're reserving revisited episodes i just figured since this is a revisited right now we might as well point that out yes don't send in when we've already done because we're not going to do it <laughs> it's better if you give us a few choices not everyone's been doing that, but that's okay so far. We do like a list. If you just submit one, you run the risk of just getting denied immediately. <laughs> I've been trying not to do that, but yeah. You've There's been... certain things that we don't think we could do or yeah. whatever. I would say you've been more accommodating. I've been trying to, yeah. yes. So if you have a listener request, let us know on Twitter, at GreatestPod. You can also get a free sticker, which we'll yeah. send out to you. I have a couple in the pipe to get out the door and i mentioned it several episodes back but i have a few special edition holographic stickers that i'm just kind of mixing in as the requests come in 
good way to earn one would be giving us a good rating. <laughs> yeah. And letting us know. <laughs> yeah, pointing to your rating for our show on Apple Podcasts. That's right. Which would be great. Yeah, that helps your random selection for who gets a, a holographic sticker. Okay. Roadhouse, 1989, directed by Rowdy Harrington, sometimes referred to as Rowdy Roddy Harrington. Great name. At least I would refer to him as that. Yeah. (laughs) Written by R. Lance Hill as David Lee Henry. I guess maybe he wasn't super proud of it. I don't know why he used a pseudonym. Oh, boy. And Hillary Hankin, which I had no idea that a woman co-wrote Roadhouse, which I think is unbelievable. They needed a female voice. Yeah, and it comes through. Absolutely. In a big way. Oh, yeah. The budget for the picture was $15 million. The box office was only 30.1. However, between VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming sales, Roadhouse has grossed over an additional $203.1 oh, million. Mr. Jackpots. It became a huge cable television fixture. Absolutely. A cult classic that grew and grew. It was big amongst college age males for sure especially in the late 90s through the early 2000s i think it's sort of calmed down yeah it's not constantly on every second of the day basically yeah it's definitely one of the many pieces that sort of built patrick swayze into this like cult hero yeah we're gonna talk more specifically about swayze's career around roadhouse in a bit but it's really hard to get a read on it, I guess I would sort of say as a teaser. As to what his career his is? His career is very yeah. strange. Because he at one time, he was certainly one of the biggest stars in the world. Right. And yet, when you look back at his career, it was very brief as far as the big stuff. And a lot of misses. <laughs> Maybe he just didn't have a good agent or he didn't, yeah. he didn't know which scripts to pick. But it seemed like he should have had another four or five years of being a big star which would have led to maybe not as much garbage at the end of his life if you're Bodie in point break for me that's five more movies (laughs) yeah and i think we did talk about way back when we did point break that it was almost over as far as like the, the big stuff yeah he was in a few things throughout the 90s but not anything too substantial and then sort of confined to character actor work and then tv yeah basically roadhouse was produced by the legendary joel silver who is a character unto himself most notably parodied in true romance as saul rubinick that's right i think even tom cruise in tropic thunder is joel silver a lot of people think it's harvey weinstein because of the physical appearance yeah yeah. but i've heard joel silver as well all right yeah i'd always heard weinstein but that makes sense he was a god of 80s action pictures so roadhouse was nominated for five golden raspberry awards which is ludicrous (laughs) because roadhouse is awesome should have been nominated for best picture worst picture worst actor for patrick swayze this is the one that really bothers me. Worst supporting actor, Ben Gazzara. Boo. Insane. This is insane. He should have been nominated for best supporting actor at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. To me, Gazzara's performance in this film as Brad Wesley is the prototype for how all villains in action films every should be. Every delivery of every line is dynamite. <laughs> Just an asshole, but still hilarious. <laughs> Unbelievable. Also, worst director and worst screenplay. I don't agree with any of those. 
I know that sometimes time changes things, but seriously, come on. I do get, you could criticize some of the dialogue because it's just so dumb. The lines are so dumb. But but who decides what's dumb? (laughs) You do. Yeah, exactly. And I say it's not. I say that if it entertains people, that's what a movie should be doing. Yeah, I know. We're going to get into that some more. The whole idea of guilty pleasures. I don't love it. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned that before. Prepare to die. You're such an asshole. (laughs) That's good stuff. That's real. That's right, yeah. One of the things I learned when doing the research for this revisited episode is that there was a three and a half hour cut of the film originally. Oh. Which included way more Wade Garrett material and I guess more stuff with Carrie Ann, a character that starts off the film seeming like a big deal and then fades to the background. It actually ends up being like disappointing with her. You're like, why is she even in the movie? Because she just completely fades from the narrative. It's interesting that they chose to keep some of the stuff that they kept. I could do like rather a whole, than keep more carry in. If there was like a side movie of Dalton and Wade Garrett, I would be like so in on that. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end when we get into the potential remake. I stuff. need like way more scenes of that night out on the town that Wade Garrett, Dalton, and Doc all had together. <laughs> what a time that seemed like. I can't believe they never did a prequel about the stuff that they allude to right. in this movie. Yeah. The, the past. <laughs> I felt like that Same was town, ripe, different story. Right for a lot of interesting stuff. Sort of like a roadhouse multiverse a la Game of Thrones, Star oh, yeah. Wars. That's right. It's a lot of spin off material. They need to marvelize Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you want to see two prequels one about dalton and wade garrett one about brad wesley taking over jasper absolutely i do fuck this is good stuff (laughs) we shouldn't even be recording this this should be private and then once we start getting the more deep cut stuff like jimmy in prison (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's real dark yeah (laughs) so i'm gonna do my best joe bob briggs here for a second and sort of summarize the film as we head into it please Roadhouse is what I would consider to be a neo-Western. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it has all the elements of a Western. In what can only be described as an alternative universe where bouncers and coolers are renowned and treated (laughs) like borderline celebrities. And police just don't exist. Instead of famous gunslingers, these... Keepers of the peace employed at rowdy taverns and watering holes are whispered about amongst waitresses and patrons alike. Their legends grow and spread like wildfire across a midnight world of bar band circuits, bare knuckle brawlers, busty barflies, and beleaguered businessmen who just try to keep the lights on mm-hmm. and the liquor flowing. It really is a whole circuit, it's a whole universe of people. It's not just the coolers out there doing their work. It seems like they have fans. Tillman, most notably, maybe the number one fan of coolers. Yeah, this is a super homoerotic movie. (laughs) Yeah, really. Tillman is right at the forefront of that. I don't really know what his deal is. There's definitely like a lot of talk of dudes' asses in this movie. (laughs) A lot of longing looks. Yeah. It's a world that I'm not sure ever really existed but this movie makes you wish that it did i want to live in it 
It's everything we could ever want out of the decadent 1980s. Big hair, big breasts, big muscles, and big action. Our hero arrives in town to face off against the corrupt villain, keeping the population under his thumb. The tension escalates. Our hero finds unlikely love, and then finally experiences the pain of loss, but ultimately he must learn to tame the beast within before being worthy of our princess in OR Scrubs. Oh, that's right. And that's your movie. It's so much more, though. Yeah. but <laughs> Every if... line so quotable. <laughs> Going along with the neo-Western thing, you watch it and having this movie experience, it just like beams with the Western qualities. Like how much talk about this is my town? Yeah, it's definitely you know? a Western. They try to modernize it, but they modernize it in a way that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just a world that I can't imagine existed. Ever. Right, right. There's no way that there would be bouncers that would be known across states. Well, dude. And have reputations like this. How much action do you think people were fighting over for the bar scene in Jasper? How many choices could there be? Well, that's a staple of the Western, like this untamed town in the Wild West that has very minimal law enforcement. (laughs) A lot of people characterize Roadhouse as so bad it's good. I think at one point in my life I I would have been guilty of that. How about so good it's great? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Now, Try that I'm on. in that camp now. Yeah. I don't believe in so bad it's good. Even something like The Room, which is the definition of that, I don't really necessarily prescribe to yeah. that in the way that most people do, like a guilty pleasure. I just cross out the word guilty. Right. If something gives you pleasure from watching it, if it entertains you, then it is successful. It doesn't matter how it does it. Something can be poorly made or maybe an accident, but still entertaining. Yes. If it's entertaining, it serves a purpose. You have to be specific. Because I think when you're talking about the idea of it being entertaining, you're not necessarily talking about something that should win awards or should be at the top of greatest films of all time lists or something like that. it elicits joy and laughter. Yeah, because... Appreciating any kind of art, specifically film, is all subjective, so it doesn't really matter if you're talking about winning an Academy Award or just being a six-year-old kid's favorite film. None of it's real, yeah, because it's just something that's created for entertainment. Well, and people, and myself included on this over time in my life, I spend a lot of time thinking about what the intent was when making it, when really, it doesn't matter. Like, did they intend this to be funny? Like, this scene? And I think sometimes when you intentionally try to emulate a film like Roadhouse with the intention of making a So Bad It's Good or a tongue-in-cheek film, it doesn't always come out the way that you think it should. Yeah, it's tough. Sometimes they're entertaining. I thought the first Machete film, for example, which is trying to emulate a specific Grindhouse-type style which isn't exactly your Academy Award winning type style, was entertaining. Sure. Even Snakes on a Plane, which a lot of people don't like, was going for the so bad it's good thing. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it, but you need to be more earnest, I think, to capture a roadhouse. I agree. Roadhouse is like a one in a million. I do think that Rowdy Harrington was aware that it was absurd. I think he's talked about trying to make the fight scenes crazy and funny. Yes. He has compared them to Keystone Cops, which I don't really see that necessarily, but I think he was a little bit aware that it was silly, but there's an earnestness amongst the cast and crew 
that they're doing something deadly serious. You mean you didn't think that he really believes that there's this organization of coolers and bouncers out there that have this <laughs> almost Jedi-like existence? They're like they're almost like spiritual. <laughs> well, Dalton's one in a million. Yeah, <laughs> he's a special character. That's, That's why true. there's a movie about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Patrick Swayze unfortunately passed away in 2009 and the end of his career kind of sucks. He was doing like a sci-fi original TV show Boy. or something. It, it wasn't good. He was pretty much not in films anymore. Yeah. I I know he died of like pancreatic cancer or whatever, but you do look back heavy smoker in like almost every movie he's in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he smoked up until the day he died because he knew he was going to die, so he didn't even bother trying to quit. Right, but you feel almost, was he insistent that his character smoke? Yeah, because smoking doesn't even seem to fit Dalton. I know. When he lights up in that one scene in this movie, which I think he only smokes maybe once. Uh, No, he's he's smoking a few times. Okay, yeah, it it feels weird. It does, yeah. It doesn't really fit with the character. Post-workout hanging out doc shows up to try to convince him to leave he's wearing sweatpants no shirt looks like oiled up <laughs> yeah. and is smoking a cig yeah i think I, maybe i was thinking of when carrie ann comes over in that one morning and the, he's like lighting up that's first right thing yeah doesn't he yeah which is a bad sign if you're smoking first thing after you wake up <laughs> that's a pack a day guy his career is hard to explain but he had a pretty impressive run starting with dirty dancing in 87 oh yeah Roadhouse in 89, Ghost in 1990, and Point Break in 91. Yeah, wow. You would dream of having those five years. He had some other films that were notable, too. Obviously, Red Dawn, The Outsiders, things like that. That's right. But those are the four big ones. But even And he in like those, really carries those movies. Even in those years, though, between 87 and 91, he was in terrible movies. It wasn't like those were the only movies. He yeah, was in. yeah. It was a very strange career, and then things more or less went off the rails in the nineties. Well, what year was the movie where it's like the big truck, the like the big rig driver? Next of kin, that's in there somewhere. Okay, yeah, that's around that time period. But because of Dirty Dancing, Swayze's massive fame impacted the production of Roadhouse. There were women that were trying to crash the set, get a look at him. <laughs> It was a constant thing. Even some of the extras were staring at him too much that he it was, was making uh, it obvious. He was like the Beatles. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. he was huge after yeah, Dirty yeah. Dancing. It was a massive, massive movie. And it's really hard to even compare Swayze to anyone now. It was Swayze mania. Swayze was huge to both men and women, but for different reasons. Every I don't dude. really know who the modern comparable would even be Every maybe brad pitt dirty dancing and like, i want to be like that guy <laughs> yeah the girls loved roadhouse and That's the guys right. loved dirty dancing it was that simple yeah you could make a brad pitt argument for that it's hard to compare those two though it took a while i think for brad pitt to fully win over dudes yeah i think that's fair swayze was like right out of the gate trying to appeal to everyone we'll talk about maybe what our ideas for a modern Roadhouse cast would look like towards the end of the episode. I have some thoughts. All right. That's exciting. It's something that I've thought about a lot yeah. over the years. I can remember reading the one that you put together years ago. Yeah, which I'm old, sure we referenced the first time we did Roadhouse. The old Millvale blog. Should we get into it? There's a lot to get to. I think so. I think in the interest of time, we should get into it. 
We have Dalton, played by Patrick Swayze, who is a professional cooler with a mysterious past and a big-time rep, and he's working a gig in New York City at a place called Bandstand. Yeah, although it doesn't really look like it's in the city. No, because it's not. (laughs) It's got like a big parking lot, which is your first indicator that it's probably not in the city. Might be out on Long Island. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what's holding you up here about Roadhouse? No, no. You're getting stuck on this. I, no, but like, every scene has some nugget that you can dive into. This style bar, Double Deuce, too, is this way. A big place in a parking lot where people just all drive to and get hammered at. <laughs> a lot of drunk driving going yeah, on. really. It's really even hard to gauge what the demographic is for the people who go to these places because it's the 80s so everyone looks old so you're looking at the patrons of the double deuce and the bandstand here at the beginning and your first thought is probably these people are in their 40s and 50s it does seem like people spend a lot of time getting gussied up holy shit really like <laughs> well this is a night out what else yeah, are they gonna a big do big night out on the dump. yeah and i guess a lot of people do have to like blow off some serious steam there's a lot of anger yeah, and Jasper. We can't really speak to what's going on in this scene. The band here at the beginning is Cruzados, who contributed three songs to the soundtrack that ultimately did not make the cut. So they wow. sort of were pushed aside for the other band in the movie, which we'll get to later. The Jeff Healy band. Obviously, Roadhouse, big time usage of the male gaze right off the bat. A lot of close-ups of butts and cleavage. I'm feeling very comfortable when I'm watching this. <laughs> It will balance out, though, because there's a lot of lingering shots on shirtless men, greased up men. Yeah, clothes seem optional in a lot of these establishments. It ends up balancing it out. Yeah, But yeah. at the beginning, you're like, okay, we see a woman getting out of a car. The camera's basically ass level following her into the bar. And then as it's going through the crowd, we're, we're lingering on some cleavage. Just a straight up shot of Sam Elliott's pubes at some point. Yeah, well, don't spoil the whole movie in the first five seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Swayze rocking just a straight-up lion's mane. One of the great hairdos in the history of cinema, which evidently he was not a big fan of, and he didn't like it. I guess they forced him to have it. They're like, this is the hair you need to have for this. This is the look of the coolest cooler going. One of the things that jumps out to me is that people act completely insane in bars in the 1980s i think it goes without saying at a certain point so wild i'm surprised at the amount of people that just carry knives (laughs) almost everyone it seems and is willing to wield it at the slightest hint of an insult yeah well the woman is actually the one that pulled the knife out that's true scene yeah yeah for some reason although the guy's willing to use it pretty quickly so she pulls out a knife he kicks her chair over which brings on the bouncers. Dalton gets involved for a second, turns his back. The guy picks up the knife, slashes him on the arm. Yeah, one of the things that actually jumped out to me on these last couple of viewings that I, I guess I just didn't really pay as much attention to in the past is just actually how many times he gets wounded. <laughs> he gets knifed a few times, gets shot. I know it's not the same thing as a stab, but isn't that... Assault with a deadly weapon once it's above the waist or something like that. And this has to be a pretty decent jail sentence. (laughs) This guy. 
He's like, okay, Dalton, I've always wanted to try you. I think I could take you. First of all, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, who thinks like that about a bouncer? That's your first indication that bouncers maybe are carrying a little bit more notoriety than you would expect. That's right. Like the, the fact that somebody who goes to this bar has been thinking about fighting this specific bouncer. Yeah, and I guess we'll hit on it several times over the kind of anti-police world we're living in. But, dude, as soon as you're going to, like, stabbing someone or, or the amount of fighting that these people want to do in this movie in general that could result in a death, no one is playing, like, their stakes at any time. Well, I think it goes even further than that because it, it actually does lead to deaths that are quickly swept under That's the rug right, as yeah. if they didn't happen. Yeah, well, the truth of it is that the inclusion of a realistic police presence would render this movie to be nothing. That's and right. just boring. Less fun. Which also fits the idea of the Wild West, or like a Western, because there's minimal police presence in the Wild West, and you might have the sheriff or the gunslinger that comes to town to try to clean up the town. They're usually like outnumbered by the criminal syndicate. Yeah, Dalton essentially becomes a Wyatt Earp That's right. type character. And if you include the modern day idea of what police are yeah. in that, it doesn't really fit. Jasper, the townspeople, deputize Dalton. They try to explain it away later in the film, but it's just a throwaway yeah, yeah. Right. line of, Wesley's paying off all the cops. Prove it to who? <laughs> the anger. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have ideas of where that anger's coming from. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so Dalton's whole thing is de-escalation. Cooler heads prevail. He tricks the guy to go outside and then just turns around and goes into the bar, shutting the doors behind him. Although I don't know what's stopping that guy from running into the bar with the knife. I or... know if he's that like jazzed up about this whole thing. But essentially, Dalton doesn't need to prove anything to anyone, and that's what makes him different. He's this badass guy, but he knows it. He's confident and secure enough to not need to prove it every night. You would think someone who's in a fit of that blind anger or rage and has now just been tricked into walking outside, (laughs) that would just set him off even further. I'm a horse's ass out here. (laughs) What the fuck? But those are the rules. That's right. Once you've been tricked to go outside, you lose. That's, like, there's yeah. no winning anymore. <laughs> Doesn't matter. That's true. And we do find out that a big part of what Dalton does is he wins. Yeah. That guy now driving home drunk from Long Island back into the city, probably just beating the shit out of his wife. Yeah. Just so angry. Crashes into her car. <laughs> Dalton's sewing himself up after getting slashed with the knife. And that's when we meet Tillman. You do got to give it to Dalton. He does really live the gimmick, too. He preaches all this stuff. And to get slashed with a knife and not get upset about it, you got to give the guy a lot of credit. Yeah, well, he's used to it, as we're going to find out later in the film when Doc runs down his medical history. He's living this life. So we now have the first of many sequences where Tillman just (laughs) cannot contain himself around these people. He's starstruck. Yeah. Can I talk to you for a minute? Name's Dalton, right? I don't know you. My name is Tillman. Frank Tillman. I have a little club outside of Kansas City called the Double Deuce. 
used to be a sweet deal. Now it's the kind of place that they sweep up the eyeballs after closing. Anyway, I've come into a little bit of money. I'd like to make a better life for myself. I need somebody to help me clean the place up. I need the best. Wade Garrett's the best. Wade Garrett's getting old. He's still the best. I want you. Five thousand up front, five hundred a night cash. You pay all medical expenses. I can live with that. I run the show completely. When the job's done, I walk. I've got your plane ticket right here. I don't fly. Too dangerous. Well, when do I expect you? Don't. I'll get there. Dalton, you all right? Just a scratch. By the way, Oscar, bandstand's all yours. What's that supposed to mean? I'm out of here. Great. You know, I thought you'd be bigger. A club owner by the name of Frank Tillman, played by Kevin Ty, has arrived with the hopes of luring Dalton to Jasper, Missouri to take over security at his place called the Double Deuce. It seems that D-squared used to be a nice place, but a criminal element has dragged it down to the level of a dangerous hellhole. And what a weak owner to not be able to influence change yourself, you know, by, like, firing people or, like, barring people. Well, he doesn't even seem to realize that his own staff is, like, that corrupt. I know. He just thinks, like, shitty people are coming in there and he can't figure out how to get rid of them. I guess Joel Silver himself had to step in and be like, we need to make the double deuce look even worse than what you guys are going for. We have to really take it to another level. (laughs) And they make it so unappealing that you almost can't believe it. How is it still open? Yeah, it seems like it should be condemned. Put an entire chain link fence to protect the band? Tillman plans to invest substantial money into the club to enhance its image, and he needs a first-rate cooler to maintain stability. I'll always recognize Kevin Ty from the classic Disney musical starring Christian Bale, Newsies. I've never seen. He's walking around in this movie with a ridiculous (laughs) shit-eating grin at all times. I think it's safe to say possibly in love with Dalton. And Wade Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, who isn't? This is the first mention of Wade Garrett. Dalton defers, says he's not the best. Wade Garrett's the best. But Wade Garrett's getting old. That's right. He's still the best. <laughs> I want you. <laughs> Homoeroticism off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> I want you. He is doing like some crazy affected voice, it feels like. Yeah. Tillman's got that raspy. <laughs> There's some great lines he has later, just so cheesy. But like a great Bruce Springsteen song where one line creates this world like you know the world just from like that one line in the lyrics it's them talking about this other cooler out there yeah and how great he is yeah it's pretty effective whole universe to not only establish dalton's rep but also wade garrett it's a little bit of a teaser so obviously we know wade garrett's going to factor in later and it's setting up this universe that expands beyond the bandstand and beyond 
the double deuce even. That's right. Like we we get a sense that there's almost like a circuit of bouncers. Oh yeah. Which is something I couldn't even really comprehend. It seems like just a shitty job you get in the city you live in already. Well, I know. This makes it out to be like it's Batman Begins. <laughs> it's the League of Shadows. That's how you come to be a bouncer. Wade Garrett is Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> Dalton wants 5000 up front plus 500 a night cash. And I was immediately thinking, like, is the IRS interested in I this? Know. Or what's, what's going on here? Is this all yeah. under the table? That seems like a pretty good paying gig. Yeah, if you max that out over a full year, you're definitely well into six digits. Yeah. I don't know how many nights a week he's working. It does seem like he's working all the time. I will say that. Is he working seven days a week? It feels like he goes to the double deuce every day. Obviously, he's not planning on this being a long-term gig. He does his thing. He shows up, cleans it up, waits till the job is done, and then moves on. He feels like he can move on from the bandstand and we're ready to go. Although I will say the manager of the bandstand doesn't seem all too pleased. That well, he knows that how much change Dalton's brought. Yeah. He's afraid. That's right. But sometimes you got to push the baby bird out of the nest. You're ready to fly, bandstand owner. <laughs> it's time to take control back. Because that's something he wants. Dalton wants total control, and he makes that clear to Tillman up front. So he's more than just a cooler. Yeah, he's like John Taffer. This is like Bar Rescue. Yeah, he becomes the manager of this place, basically. Yeah. Tillman's just going to be the uninvolved owner. Dalton will be calling all of the shots, essentially. And then, of course, we start the recurring joke, which the movie seems to think is much funnier than the audience, which is, you know, I thought you'd be bigger. That's true. They bring that up at least three or four more times, Sometimes. and it never seems to really click. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they think he'd be bigger? Yeah, I know. They won't quit with that one. Did they think that Swayze was short as an actor? It's and weird so they that were they even draw attention to it. I wouldn't notice. I do notice. Because they talk about it so much. And you're like, yeah, he does seem kind of small. But like when he's actually in the scenes, like fighting people and stuff, he doesn't seem small. Yeah, because he's such a badass. That's right. Yeah, he's beating ass. <laughs> Dalton dumps his beater car with a homeless man, retrieves his hidden Mercedes, and hits the road to Jasper. Hilarious. It's a hilarious idea that he's got this hidden Mercedes. I was actually reading something. I think it was from, I want to say The Ringer which was actually like a pretty decent article about the movie. Okay. But they seemed confused about this scene. I don't think it's confusing at all, especially when they no. with what happens in Jasper. That's right. It, which that's the other runner besides the th- fact that he's small. It's that his car gets perpetually fucked up yeah. every night. He has a nice car, but he doesn't take that to work because he is such a hateable guy to the shitty element at these bars that his car always gets fucked with. That's right. I don't think it's that complicated. <laughs> People and he can't drive two cars from New York to Missouri, so he's leaving the other one behind. It's not rocket science. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that I get in a fucking attitude about other people's opinions of other movies, Roadhouse, it's like a whole other level. Oh, yeah, it strikes a chord. <laughs> I feel like I've watched this movie as much as any other movie. This wow. is definitely among the movies I've seen the most. Okay. In fact, I probably didn't even need to watch it to do these notes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think like it's just any day, fire up the mics, and we could go through this whole movie beat by beat. 
Yeah, it would probably be a little less organized than it's going to be, but That's true. we would hit everything eventually. <laughs> just rambling. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> of course, Roadhouse was actually filmed mostly in California with a little bit in Chicago. At various points in the film, you can see mountains in the background. There are no mountains in Jasper, Missouri. And you can also see road signs at one point that say Los Angeles and Bakersfield, <laughs> however many miles. Well, it's pretty know. clear in the background. I can't remember which scene it is. It's when everyone's outside. A lot of people making the drive from Missouri to Southern California. <laughs> Just two Southern California locations right. on a sign in Missouri. So we get our first look at the Double Deuce. Why would any person go there, let alone beautiful young women? I'm not really sure. It seems very dangerous. Feels Sexual like, uh, assaults <laughs> happening left and right. I guess if you're a drug addict, that would be the one reason, because you can buy drugs here. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they have a strict carding policy, so I guess they probably get their fair share of underage drinkers. But I, I think so. There's a lot of illegal activity here. so I think most underage people would be terrified. Absolutely. Would you play in a band at this place? <laughs> Where you have to be behind chicken wire? No. <laughs> That's a bad sign right yeah, off the I, bat. Yeah, I would be like, there's no amount of money that makes me want to play a gig here. Dalton surveys the scene. They don't really hide what he's seeing at all. It's all pretty obvious. It's not a nice place. We get our first look at the great Julie Michaels as Denise, who will be a central figure throughout yeah. Why she hangs out at the Double Deuce? I mean, I get it later when she's in it for the Dalton. Oh, yeah. But she's just coming here on her own when this place is a complete dump. She's been waiting her whole life for someone like Dalton to show up. She's with the richest dude in town. I don't know if she knows this, but Brad Wesley is Jasper. Well, I don't know if you know this, but this predates Viagra. (laughs) I don't think she's really getting a lot from Wesley at this point. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Even if he can go sometimes, it's probably not often. (laughs) It's probably not often. So she's looking for a good time with someone like Dalton. This is the only ticket in town, probably. We never get work. Oh, no, it's not, though. But it's the only place like this. There are other bars. Uh, Yeah, when we have our little three-way date, (laughs) they hit another bar. That lets them stay in well-past clothes. You know that fucking Doc was hoping that was going to go somewhere different by the end of the night. (laughs) I could see it in her eyes. (laughs) Yeah, well, Julie Michaels mostly became known as a stunt woman. And famously, she was completely nude fighting Keanu Reeves in Point Break during that house raid scene. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't realize that was the same woman. Yes. Okay. She beats the shit out of Keanu Reeves. That's (laughs) right. And it looks super real, too. Yeah. It's actually really erotic. Yeah. <laughs> Beaten up by a completely yeah. nude woman. Yeah, it's a great scene. That dude just comes up to her at the bar. He's got like a hole in his shirt and he has the balls to say, What do you say you and me get nipple to nipple? <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote that down. I the didn't write anything else first, down. First, last, and only time anyone has ever used that as a pickup I line. Know. <laughs> I was like, What an insane thing to say to someone. The famous professional wrestler Terry Funk is one of the bouncers. He plays Morgan. That's right. Morgan's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, huh? Yeah. What's his deal? He's just a badass. You know what? He's always been the toughest guy in town, at least at the double deuce. Yeah. Once Dalton walked in that door, he's like, oh, shit. His idea 
of bouncing at a bar is picking a guy up over his head and throwing him through the tables. <laughs> There's Kathleen Wilhoit as Carrie Ann. That's right. Someone who we've talked about on this show before. She was in Angel Heart very briefly, but she was also in private school. That's right. Two movies we've done for the show. <laughs> a favorite of mine. Yeah. She's the one that recognizes Dalton's name immediately because Dalton's got name brand recognition. Even amongst waitresses. Well, you want to know what? She never would have heard of him if she didn't work for effing Tillman. Yeah, Tillman's been talking about him nonstop. (laughs) We got to get Dalton down here. This fucking embarrassing (laughs) fanboy. Yeah, he's having Dalton sign autographs as soon as he gets in. Although Tillman does pull one of the most hilarious moves right here. There's some graffiti by the payphone that says for a great fuck call 555-7617 and he changes fuck to Buick that's right for a great Buick (laughs) it's his little way of fighting back at the patrons that are just vandalizing his beloved double deuce well the entire wall is covered in writing graffiti (laughs) the graffiti art nobody's getting that I know you can cut that out no I'm leaving it I think we talked about the shitty graffitied 80s in sleepaway camp remember i was like there's these dangerous that's right. worlds yeah. where everything's covered in graffiti that's right. yeah everything's scary there's always like a bdsm character somewhere it's always weird yep it's always the most extreme stuff but weird times the double deuce is like that it is oh, yeah. so dangerous looking there's switchblades assaults fighting no police no control it's like woodstock 99 every second in there <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And then when the band announces they're going to take a break, this guy stands up and throws a bottle at the chicken wire, which shatters everywhere. And I would be like, I quit. Hey, you're paid to play. Play. (laughs) And then he's like so pleased with himself. I know. Imagine being like that worked up about the house band. Well, I think he's just being an ass. He doesn't really care. Because he's just so pleased with himself after he yells that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High-fiving people. (laughs) It's Jeff Healy as Cody. Jeff Healy was a Canadian blues guitarist, singer, oh, yeah. and songwriter. I only really ever knew the one song, What Did I Do or What Did You Say, <laughs> whatever that song is. He and his band feature in the film and provide much of the film's soundtrack. He and Dalton know each other from crossing paths in the past. That, yeah, they're part of the whole circuit. The, yeah. These house bands are part of it, too. So Dalton's happy to see a familiar face, although... And I know maybe this is offensive in some ways. I don't know if we have any blind oh, um, listeners. Angel Eyes, by the way, the name of the Jeff Healy song I know. Yeah, yeah, I think that was his big hit, although it's not in this movie. No, no. They do like all covers for this movie, it seems like. Is that last song a cover? Uh, maybe not. When the sky was I don't know. <laughs> is the song that Kathleen Wilhoit sings a cover, the Knock on Wood song? I think so, Okay, yeah. that's a lame song. <laughs> But anyway, to get to what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, please. It's a little bit of a delicate subject, but I notice it every time, and I always think it's weird that Cody says to I know Dalton, good to see you. I mean, obviously it's intentional, right? Is it? I feel like it has to be. No, I think it's just an expression that people say, but if you take it literally, you're okay. like, okay. I don't know. I thought he was kind of saying it with a wink, not to be <laughs> insensitive, but <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's just funny. I know. I will say that Jeff Healy's not a great actor. Yeah, you're not blown away. Are you really feeling this chemistry is just oozing between these two every time <laughs> him and Dalton have a scene? 
oh yeah, this storied friendship that they have. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine they know each other that well. There's not enough time. They're not old men. They're not like 70-year-old men. Because, okay, we'll think about it. Now, okay. This is something I was yes. going to bring up later, but we'll just mention it now. How long was Cody's band playing at the Double Deuce? Because later, he references knowing Doc's history with Wesley, which seems like it's ancient history. That's so true. So how long has he been there? It seems like he had to be there before it started getting bad, because how could you be lured to be <laughs> the band here? Yeah, I, I, They've fallen on hard times. <laughs> By the 80s, you're talking about like new wave, uh, that's true, electronic yeah. dance music. There weren't a lot of places looking for this band, probably. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to imagine any bar today being like this. Oh, I know. Even like live music. I bet you go out in the Southwest, like Arizona, New Mexico, there's probably like honky tonk bars. Oh, with like yeah. Blues and country western bands that there's have a regular gig. Pockets of America where it still exists. Now, I would say like the amount of going to bars and having live music be there has certainly diminished significantly. Especially at like a house band. That oh, for sure. Is like popular and not hated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people aren't throwing bottles at them. Yeah, they have to bring the chicken wire back. Right. <laughs> Ever seen a better pair of attitudes? Fine, ain't they? Tell you what, for 20 bucks, you can kiss them. Are you kidding? Can a kiss here and now? Go ahead, do it, go on. Go on. Come on. Come on. Can a kiss? Go ahead. Hey, buddy, what are you doing? Are you going to kiss him or not? I can't. What do you mean you can't? I ain't got 20 bucks. This is the first time I ever noticed this, which I'm embarrassed of, because I always get distracted by what the scene is, because the scene is completely insane. But I, I never understood that this guy, he referred to his wife's breasts as the best pair of attitudes you've ever seen. Attitudes. Yeah, that's a compliment. I think it's a great name for boobs. <laughs> I love it. So he says that this guy can kiss him for 20 bucks, 10 bucks a boob. Wow. The guy's like, this is great. His friend is like, yeah, do it. <laughs> Imagine this was like us. I know. I'd be like running away. I'm like, this is a trap or something. I don't know what's <laughs> this happening. This is like a hidden camera show. <laughs> this is going to be like that time I ended up on the news. This is going to be like that time we were at the food court at the mall and that girl got bit by the police dog <laughs> right next to us. Which, even though that girl got bit, was somehow worse for us just because we were next to her and we were embarrassed. And we saw it happen. <laughs> so the guy's like, okay, yeah. And then he goes over and he just starts like molesting this woman with his hands. And then the guy, his, her husband's like, well, what are you doing? Aren't you going to kiss him? He's like, I can't. Why not? I ain't got 20 bucks. Immediate brawl. <laughs> Which involves the entire bar. Yeah. It could just be like a complete barroom brawl at any point. It's always on the verge of happening. I like how this guy is just lightly pimping out his wife. 
It's insane. Yeah, Twenty dollars to kiss her boobs. Boredom is a hell of a thing. Do you think this guy gets turned on by watching a random man at a bar kiss his wife's boobs? I got to tell you, it's hard for me to put myself into the mindset of many of the characters in the Jasper Double Deuce world. Yeah, I don't really get it because twenty bucks isn't a ton of money to get, but it's also way too much to pay. I don't know. He might. Just I feel think like it's in funny. Jasper, you could yeah. get a blowjob for twenty bucks from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but is she as good looking as this lady? It's Jasper, so probably. Yeah, that's true. 20 bucks is a lot in Jasper to some people, <laughs> that's maybe. high end. I just don't think that for kissing boobs, like on a prostitute scale, that is it's worth 20 bucks. All right, well, you can haggle with this guy then. <laughs> I'll give I'm you $6.50. I'm paying the 20. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, here's 60. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Should we go even further with this? I feel like there's more to explore. Go ahead. I, but I don't know. Is it going to get too much? <laughs> Are you going to start getting nervous? No. Do you think kissing means like sucking on or just kissing, kissing? Like, I would think. Well, he probably I just means kissing. He, pro- he probably means kissing. Does it lead into sucking on? <laughs> probably. I will say the wife looks into it. Yeah. This is a, a racket they've been running before. And they, yeah, and then they want to see how it goes. I mean, maybe they get these guys kind of lured in and then start offering other things and jacking up the prices, you know? Yeah, maybe it's not really his wife. Yeah, that's true. Okay. The nightly property damage at the Double Deuce it has to be intense. They destroy everything <laughs> several times. I know. So much work has to go into reopening the next day. There's no way that this bar could be profitable. There's just no Tables, way. Tables, bar stools. At one point, the entire Tons like, of glass. back liquor bottle section gets like smashed out. Yeah. Plus, that's not to even mention the lawsuits that would be likely to come fast and furious after any night of this place. This place would be shut down in a heartbeat. Not in Jasper. No. Morgan says, in regards to Dalton, who he's not impressed with, I heard he had balls big enough to come in a dump truck, but you don't look like much to me. Who told him that, Tillman? (laughs) Dalton's just like, opinions vary. Yeah, yeah. I did notice on the way out here when Dalton says goodbye, Cody doing pretty well for himself. Oh, yeah. Hanging out with a cute lady. Hey, it pays to be in the band. Yeah. I actually think he's a pretty good singer. Oh, yeah. With a great blues voice. His guitar playing style, for those of you who haven't seen the picture or aren't familiar with Jeff Ely, he like sits down. It's almost like he's playing a keyboard, like he lays the guitar flat. Yeah. It's definitely its own unique scene. For sure. In anticipation for what's to come, Dalton buys a beater car and extra tires. This is what I was alluding to in regards to the cut scenes of Carrie Ann. How embarrassing for Kathleen Wilhoit. He's going to the premiere being like, where's half of my part and then seeing well they kept in the part of dalton buying tires for some reason we needed this scene yeah i know because because they love beating this whole car thing to death yeah they think that's real clever yeah like as if we wouldn't have got it already right, right, right. but okay he buys the beater car and the tires and then dalton finds affordable lodging in a room above a barn owned by emmett a friendly elderly man Emmett's played by Sunshine Parker. Okay. Character actor. So, in regards to this movie being a neo-Western film, which I don't really even know if that's a a subgenre. I just sort of assumed that you could call it that. 
Yeah, I think just throw Neo in front of anything, and it's a subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> this goes with that. Many of the characters' names are taken from famous Wild West personalities. Wade Garrett shares his surname with Pat Garrett, the sheriff who shot and killed Billy the Kid. Brad Wesley, the main villain of the film, has a last name that matches the middle name of John Wesley Harden, one of the most notorious and cold-blooded killers in the history of the West. It was also the name of a Bob Dylan album. Okay. Kelly Lynch's character is nicknamed Doc, as in Doc Holliday, maybe. Oh. Emmett matches up with Emmett Dalton, leader of the notorious bandit ring, the Dalton Gang. This obviously goes with our main character as well. Tillman is named after Bill Tillman, a lawman of some renown in Dodge City and Oklahoma. Across a pond from Emmett's property is Brad Wesley's mansion, outfitted with a big pool and a helipad for his obnoxious helicopter. Sort of an underrated weird element to the movie, the fact that Wesley and Dalton end up living very close to each other. Yeah. It is strange, but it leads to some hilarious and great moments. Yeah. (laughs) I'm wondering if that was part of the plan all along, if in the screenwriters' minds they were thinking, we need an incident that really sets Wesley off, and it's seeing oh yeah Doc just completely riding nude. the fuck out of <laughs> on his roof. Yeah, it's actually like a pretty wild scene, oh, yeah. although you can't really see it. And it's I gotta far tell away. you, we were certainly championing Ben Gazzara's performance in this movie. No better than in this scene, acting without dialogue, <laughs> just seething. <laughs> watching you what's can going feel on across the rage through the screen i mean now you called it a pond i was thinking it was like a river or something it's definitely not a river okay <laughs> it's a circle oh is it yeah i thought it was like a, a stream that you you can't see the ends of i don't, I don't think so okay but maybe i did i never thought of it like that i don't think so though all right i thought it was just like a big pond okay maybe it's a big pond it's not quite big enough to be a lake no not a lake Wesley makes a dramatic entrance while Dalton is still being shown the barn room at Emmett's. I love Emmett's delivery of the line. I swear he does that just to piss me off. <laughs> the way he says yeah. off is so great. And what is he doing? Just aimlessly flying this helicopter? He's flying over his property to rile up Emmett's horses. He's just being a dick on <laughs> yeah. purpose. Sort of like how he acts with the car later, just swerving through the lanes. He's always asserting his dominance over the town. That's yeah, yeah. his move. Yes. And there's no mystery who the villain will be. We know immediately. Is there anything more over the top than owning a helicopter? Yeah, owning a monster truck, yeah. <laughs> which he also <laughs> does. Yeah. Emmett's only going to charge Dalton $100 a month, which seems very light. Although, to be fair, Emmett doesn't know how long Dalton is planning on staying, and so it would be fucking freezing in the winter i know missouri doesn't get as cold as up here in the northeast but it gets cold it's like the upper floor of a barn it's not even enclosed (laughs) i know (laughs) he's gonna like sleep down with the horses like in the hay or something to stay (laughs) warm obviously i don't think that dalton is planning on staying all year round it seems like it's summer or something right at this point now how long do you think emmett goes without having a tenant years well, yeah, he says he's been showing it to 20 people and nobody wanted it because there's no, I think he says, does he say no electricity? Uh, yeah, I think that's Although right. He, Although he, Dalton does play a radio. a radio later, but it could be batteries. That's true. 
No TV, no conditioned air, Perfect. no appreciation for the fragrance of nature. <laughs> I know every line. Horse shit. <laughs> People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. And that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one, even two-on-one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on, honey. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk, but be nice. If he won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. And called a cocksucker in personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's. Take out the trash. Dalton is essentially handed control of all bar operations and hiring and firing by Tillman. He attracts attention with his quiet, subdued demeanor, which contrasts with the rowdy locals. He gives his famous be nice speech. Uh Uh-huh. Which... Climaxes with him firing Morgan plus the drug dealing waitress who was not really even disguising what she was doing at any point. Yeah, she wasn't really expecting the firing. Neither was Morgan, but the Morgan one is more of a scene. Hers is kind of just like an aside. Like, oh, yeah, you're fired, too. What's she going to (laughs) do? Nothing. And she's not in the movie again, right? No. I do think that Dalton's three simple rules are sort of bullshit, especially rule number one, which is the most hack. Yeah shit ever they need never to, like, underestimate your opponent expect the unexpected well it why stinks. is that one shouldn't that be two different rules really it's nothing <laughs> it's not anything yeah these are like the rules from e2 mama Tambi. i was gonna say they should have taken those rules are way better rule number two yeah. <laughs> whacking off rules <laughs> rule number two take it outside and rule number three be nice which is actually probably the only one well take it outside that- yeah. That should be common sense. Number to these three people. is really the true like Dalton philosophy. Yeah, be cool. Be yeah. nice. It's not personal. Don't turn it into something personal. Don't let these guys get under your skin. This was like the rules that I would have to tell myself when I worked like retail. <laughs> Dalton's first actual night on the job is an interesting one, to say the least. There's a lot of stuff that happens. First of all, Steve 
a member of the Double Deuce staff lets two underage girls into the bar. Pat, the bartender, is skimming the till, plus a guy who looks and dresses like Weird Al Yankovic with short hair pulls a switchblade simply because his lady friend isn't allowed to dance on the tabletop. <laughs> so this is the second pullout of a knife. This is even more absurd than the first one. Uh, for sure. Because I don't know why that woman pulled out that knife, but the knife was already out. Right. And that guy just grabbed it. This guy thinks it's worth pulling a knife over the fact that a bouncer is telling him, hey, that lady can't dance on the table. I'm pulling a knife over this. That's what I'm saying. It's just this anger in these people. I don't know what they're all doing for their jobs, but obviously there is an exponential amount of steam that they need to blow off on a Friday night. I think that later on you find out that the government was performing some sort of experiment and picked Jasper, Missouri as a test market for some sort of steroid that they put into the water or something. (laughs) Or they were like, let's introduce cocaine into the breathing air or something. Oh, yeah, like dark waters. (laughs) Yeah, except with something that makes everyone insane. Right. There's absolutely no logic to how people behave in this town. This guy is ready to commit murder (laughs) over the fact that his girl can't dance on a table. Right, I know. It's a liability issue, buddy. I mean, if she falls off the table, we could be facing a lawsuit here. I guess maybe it is sort of an indication of what human behavior would be like if everyone thought there were no consequences. Because there's no police presence in Jasper, so they're like... I'll do whatever I want at all times. This guy tries to take my girlfriend off this table. I'm going to stab him in his throat. (laughs) And this leads me to my next question. Don't you think sometimes the punishments should be more than just being thrown out of the bar? Don't you you think there should be more? At least uh, a lifetime ban should be. Well, the police should at least be called. Yeah, I know. Even if Brad Wesley runs the police and that becomes a thing later in the film, at this point, that hasn't been made clear. Dalton is unaware of it. If Dalton's such a great bouncer, he would know when it's time to escalate yeah. this stuff beyond just the bounce staff. Look, that would have been my answer if there was even a hint of a police force. It's just a lawless town. It is. For some reason, Cody on stage, the name is Dalton. Zoom in on Denise's face. It's almost like Roy Scheider from Jaws. It's like that move. <laughs> It literally is like that kind of a shot, like zooming (laughs) on Denise's face. She's the shark from Jaws, though. (laughs) And Dalton is the Kittner boy. Oh, that's right. (laughs) She's going in for the kill. Dalton catches Steve fucking in the supply room, one of these underage girls. By underage, I mean under 21. They're not supposed to be like under 18 or anything like that. Right, right. And we always love this moment because... Yes, he pulls her top up and her skirt up, but she still seems kind of clothed. Mostly clothed. Still, he, yeah. on the other hand, is completely <laughs> nude. <laughs> Which is usually different from how sex scenes are done in most films That's and right. TV. Yeah. A lot of times the guy just will get his cock out, although not really, because you don't see it. Like I said, in this movie, like most of the guys can't keep their clothes on. <laughs> he was so eager to get naked. That's right. I love the girl's reaction, too, where she just, like, puts her hand up to her mouth, like, ooh, we got caught, even though he's, like, Steve's getting fired. (laughs) You've got quite a little enterprise going here. What? You're going through a bottle every 30 minutes. You're skimming the till for six shots a bottle on drafts, one every 10. I figure he's costing you about 150 a night. 
So? So consider it severance pay. Take the train. I didn't hear you say that. Well, I'm saying it now. You sure? Get out. <laughs> well, it was a good night. Nobody died. <laughs> It'll get worse before it gets better. Later that night, Dalton fires the bartender Pat for skimming. Pat is played by John Doe, co-founder of the L.A. punk band X. Yeah, quietly just a super fun performance in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous facial expressions. The way he fires a shotgun like, later yeah, in the just film. Cartoonish overacting. <laughs> <laughs> but in this scene, you can see that Tillman is starting to build in confidence because Pat refuses to accept Dalton's word on the matter. So he's right. like, I didn't hear you say it. Tillman delivers the iconic line. I'm saying it now. I'm saying it now. Yeah. <laughs> get out (laughs) so dramatic that's the hardest he's ever sounded get out (laughs) when he's got dalton in his corner tonight is night one of dalton's car getting trashed the payoff of everything that's been building up that's right sort of a weak payoff because at this point you don't even care about the car but they want us to back at his room above emmett's barn Dalton sees a party going on across the pond at Brad Wesley's. Everyone's sort of running towards the pool. Music playing. <laughs> girls kinda... taking their bikini tops off. Yeah. It, I got to tell you, it does seem like Wesley throws a uh, a fun party. There's that big tall guy, that big doofus dancing like an idiot. Yep. You've never seen Jimmy be so jolly as he is. I didn't even notice Jimmy. Is he there? Oh, I think he's there. Yeah. I have to revisit. <laughs> Any excuse to revisit. <laughs> Wesley rocking the pink bathrobe, just a total pimp. And this is when we see the girl from the bar, Denise, who I don't think has been formally introduced to us, but I just call her Denise because that's her character name. She is Wesley's girl. That's right. People getting up in arms over the age disparity in licorice pizza. Oh. (laughs) I actually have no idea how old Ben Gazzara is. He seems old for her, though. Yeah, I think it's clear there's a discrepancy here. Of I think 20 years probably wouldn't be unfair. But it's also hilarious because I think she's taller than him and also just, like, outweighs him. He seems so small. <laughs> yeah, he's a little guy. And also there's the looks disparity. That's true. She belongs on the arm of a Dalton. That's right, and she is constantly trying to get there. The next morning, Carrie Ann comes to see Dalton, essentially to warn him of some potential future problems due to there's- him firing Pat. I feel like there's little hints at like a schoolgirl crush here maybe on Dalton. Oh, yeah. Well, he's asleep and he gets out of bed and he's nude and she gets a good look at his butt. She's like spit taking her coffee. Well, she gasps. Yes. She's like. (gasps) (laughs) It was like you when we saw Halloween and Annie leans out of that window. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm still thinking about it. You have to go back to the Halloween episode to get that, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, I actually did write smoker here, so I noticed, I definitely noticed the cigarettes. And right. It is jarring when you think about how he died in real life, but it also doesn't fit with Dalton. Wesley then is just driving in his ridiculous car, swerving uh, yeah. lane to lane, Love picking up the scene. whole road, yeah. singing shaboom, shaboom. 
<laughs> yeah, this scene is absolutely hilarious. I'm sure somebody editing the movie was like, well, can we lose this? And the director was like, no, this stays. And it's like, absolutely. This is gold. This is everything you need to know about Brad Wesley right here. Dalton has to swerve off the road to avoid hitting him. Dalton stops by Red's Auto Parts, which is right across from the Double Deuce. Red is actually played by a longtime friend of Elvis Presley. Red West plays Red Webster, the auto parts store owner. He went to high school with Elvis and was a member of his Memphis Mafia. Oh. He was also a songwriter who acted in some of Elvis's movies and also worked as a stuntman. Maybe he was Cliff Booth to Elvis's Rick Dalton. Oh, yeah. I actually think they had a falling out over Elvis's drug use, but well, that's neither here nor there. That happens. I do love the unseen hand handing Red something off of a shelf when he goes to reach for it. You can actually see the item moving before he gets there. <laughs> like, here it is. Grab it. That's right. That's when you know you're watching a quality film. <laughs> They're like, let's not do another take. It's no. not worth it. <laughs> I'm sure that's something that the editor noticed, and he's like, do we have another one of these? And they're like, no. Like, all right, well, (laughs) I guess we're using (laughs) it. This stays. Just as Dalton's leaving the store, Brad and Jimmy arrive, played by Gazzara and Marshall R. Teague. It's definitely ominous, but we don't know why they're there. Dalton, at this point, doesn't seem to be too concerned with it yet. And then things go to another level in terms of homoeroticism. (laughs) Dalton is shirtless and oiled, practicing Tai Chi, (laughs) while other men gather around to stare at him. (laughs) Emmett is just baffled by what he's looking at, can't help but stare. To be fair, rightfully so. If you just saw some fucking middle-aged white dude oiled up doing some sort of martial arts, you'd be like, dude, what are you doing? I feel like it's an awakening for Emmett. I mean, some feelings are being stirred up that he's never known before. It certainly was for me. I do love Wesley across the little pond there on his ATV pulling over to watch. The drip just on fire here, rocking the fucking blue button down with a leather vest. Absolutely. And those gloves, those leather riding gloves. <laughs> oh. Wesley just puts together an outfit. Yeah, there's some great wardrobe choices in this movie in general. At some point, we get Jimmy and Denim on denim. Oh, Doc yeah. shows up in denim on denim at some point. Oh, dude, I think I've multiple notes about different every, Doc outfits. Every Doc they're so outfit insane. is a footnote. <laughs> like, what the fuck is she wearing? <laughs> they all look good. A picnic blanket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Later at the Double Deuce, there's another bar fight, which springs from the pressure to rehire Pat. Problem? Here's no problem. Just a little mistake, is all. What's that? My job. You don't get it, do you? Why don't you explain it to me? I'll explain it to you. Hey, shut up, shithead. Mr. Tillman has changed his mind. And that's all you need to know, son. No, I'm afraid I'm going to have to know a little bit more than that. And Mr. Tillman may own this bar, but the liquor he serves is supplied to him by Brad Wesley. Now, Pat McGurn is in the employ of Mr. Wesley, his uncle, not Mr. Tillman. You see, I'm staying, and you're going. Oh, really? That's right. Sit down. Come on, Dalton, you and me, right now. Right now! 
What's the matter, you chicken dick? What are you afraid of, me? <laughs> that it, Dalton? You scared to fight me? You big, bad Dalton. What, do you want to kiss and make up? Jesus Christ. Turns out that Pat is a relative of Brad Wesley, who has all the control in the town, That's and right. Wesley supplies the alcohol to the Double Deuce. So Pat's back here to say, I'm not fired, actually. But because of the confidence and presence of Dalton, Tillman does not rehire him. Dalton refuses to bend, and, and a brawl breaks out. And how does it start? Pat pulls out a giant-ass knife. It's literally like the knife from Crocodile Dundee. That's right. Like, <laughs> this is a knife. Like, it's cartoonish exactly. how big this knife right. is. It's almost a sword. <laughs> he keeps calling Dalton a chicken dick while he's waving a knife at him, which I think is hilarious. And intentionally yeah. so. Like, oh, yeah, I'm tough. I'm tough because I have this huge knife. There's, like, harsher penalties for, like, certain types of guns. Like, uh, automatics are certainly more so than, like, a pistol or whatever. But if somebody's got a switchblade, okay. But if you got this giant-ass dagger, yeah, that's, like, a, a, a higher sentence. <laughs> he, like, literally stole this dagger from, like, One-Eyed Willie yeah. from fucking Goonies, <laughs> like a pirate ship or, or something. Or Quint from Jaws. There's actually some blood on Pat's nose before Dalton actually connects. You can kind of tell, like, before the the blow comes oh, yeah. in, you can kind of see the blood first, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> it's a full-on brawl, though, and they, they throw out Wesley's henchmen, and this is going to sort of set off the whole deal. Because at first, Wesley could maybe shake it off and say, well, he doesn't know what the deal is, he can't fire my nephew whatever but now he's been told yep. what the score is and he's still not complying I've told dalton what time it is in his time thus far in jasper dalton learns that brad wesley a local business magnate slash southern fried gangster maybe that's right effectively controls the entire town by attempting to clean up the double deuce dalton has unknowingly come onto Wesley's radar when he dismissed some employees with connections to Wesley, including Morgan and Pat. After this particularly violent fight in the wake of Pat's termination, Dalton suffers another knife wound. This time it's a little too big for him to sew himself. His doctor at the hospital is Dr. Elizabeth Doc Clay, played by Kelly Lynch. And who knew that they had such good-looking doctors in this town? I love Kelly Lynch. I think she's super underrated. Agreed. We got very excited about her little moment in Cocktail when we did that audio That's commentary right. earlier this yeah. year. But I really like her performance in Drugstore Cowboy, which is a Gus Van Zandt movie yep. with Matt Dillon. I think she's great in that movie. I don't really know why she didn't have like a bigger career, because she's definitely got acting chops that go beyond just the world of a roadhouse. One of the great shames in life, I'd say. But they have sexual chemistry off the charts right away. You can just tell. Oh, yeah. She's been waiting for a Dalton to come to town. Dalton trying to be a badass with his pain don't hurt bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> she's almost like rolling her eyes. And then he yeah, he sort of like has to like gasp whenever she starts using staples. I don't think he's really impressing Doc with his background as a philosophy major. No, I disagree. I think she's getting real excited. Yeah, I don't think she should be, though. <laughs> Because it's ludicrous. I know. <laughs> yeah, this is where we get a little bit more of 
Dalton's backstory going to NYU. He's a philosophy major. Just the most absurd bouncer in the history of bouncers. Yeah, really. I did love learning about Kelly Lynch's wasted prep time where she job shadowed like actual doctors and learned how to sew stitches and then found out that they weren't even doing that and she just uses a stapler. <laughs> and she was like pissed. And I was like, did you really think you needed to spend a month preparing for the role of Doc? She's method, baby. <laughs> Kelly Lynch is Doc. Annette Benning was originally going to play Doc. Oh, wow. Kelly Lynch was not the producer's first choice. However, apparently Benning was fired for lacking chemistry with Patrick Swayze. Whoa, I figured she'd turn it down. I didn't know she got fired. Dude, she was not anybody. At that point? No. No. Her big breakout came the next year with The Grifters when she was nominated for an Oscar, but she was not anybody at this point. Okay. I think she'd been in The Great Outdoors. All right, well, that's a big movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge part. (laughs) Yeah, she's like the fifth lead in a John Candy, Dan Aykroyd comedy. You're like, yeah, she turned Roadhouse down? (laughs) Please. She was probably begging for this part. Yeah. As mentioned, Wesley also has access to a monster truck just driving around the fucking city like it's completely normal. Yeah, I know. Wesley has a less than positive reaction to the bad news regarding Pat. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, Wesley is very used to things going his way. They've gone his way for a long time. Dalton is definitely a thorn in his side. He just humiliates that one guy and just beats him up because you're a bleeder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually thought that, or I guess I always feel like in this scene that he's going to have this guy killed, but then this guy just continues to be his henchman. Which is even more pathetic. Right. It would actually be more dignified to just be killed. Yeah, yeah. He gets beat up and humiliated, and then he just goes on working for him like nothing's just happening. Killed and dumped in the pond behind the house. You know he's just going home to his wife and just being like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm so mad. And she's like, you can't do anything. He'll kill you. Right. Oh, man, what a fun existence. As... You may be expecting we finally find the truth out about what's going on with Red in his connection to Wesley. Jimmy and another guy have destroyed the shop. Seems like Red has to pay in every week. It's not too dissimilar from organized crime. Yeah, it's like the Sopranos. People uh, taking up the collections. He's also got a swimsuit pic of his niece, Doc. We don't know their relationship yet. So I I actually was wondering from... Yeah, that happening out of context is so odd. Yeah, because I was wondering what Dalton thinks of that picture. Like, he's like, wait, what? It definitely catches his eye. (laughs) (laughs) It is strange. But then again, Dalton shows up at an auto parts store wearing a gi tucked into jeans. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Just nice karate uniform guy. (laughs) Maybe he's just like, I don't know, maybe just everybody has a picture of Doc hanging up in this town. (laughs) It would make sense, actually. Yeah, yeah. Her birthday is like a local holiday. Right. Yeah, it's called the Jasper Improvement Society, which is the racket that Wesley's running in town where all the local businesses are supposed to pay into it. It's not quite the same scheme as, say, Sopranos or something, because it's not like security. It's supposed to be for like the betterment of the town. That's right. But essentially, Wesley keeps getting richer and richer off the backs yeah, of everyone yeah. else. It all gets kicked upstairs to Wesley. Upon learning about this and realizing that his potential problems are a little bit bigger than he thought, Dalton calls his mentor, Wade Garrett, the legend. Although it doesn't seem like he's working at 
I mean, the double deuce seems like a way bigger job than this place Wade Garrett's at. Well, yeah, Wade says, like, must be nice getting rich with that gig you got. Yeah, yeah. So words traveled around, like, Dalton's getting this high-priced situation. That's right. Garrett is played by Sam Elliott. Amazing. No one else could play this role. If they remade Roadhouse today, Sam Elliott would still get cast as Wade Garrett. I'm not 100% sure about that. He's looking pretty old now. <laughs> After that punch that he takes in A Star is Born. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like the beginning of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when Al Pacino's explaining that you can't lose these fights because you go down in That's people's right. eyes. Yeah. After he took that punch. He's <laughs> just not a badass anymore. We can't see him that way. No, but he is amazing in this role. I, as the movie was going on, I was kind of like, did Wade Garrett inspire the NWO? <laughs> Did Wade Garrett inspire everything that came after him? Did he inspire everything that's ever been cool? (laughs) He's working at this other bar that's having a wet G-string contest. T-shirt has been crossed out. The women on stage are completely topless and like oiled down and like tan. It was stirring, to say the least, to see these like women just kind of walking around basically nude on this stage. (laughs) Stirring is a good word. I was kind of loving it yeah. <laughs> i have to say yeah it's like, good lord this seems like quite a place because the implication is from the banner that says wet g-string contest that yeah. it's not really a strip club that this is just some sort of a special night that they're having this or did you be... think it was a strip club it seems like it has to be a strip club. yeah because yeah because of the stage the way the, on, I guess. the seats are, are all around the yeah, the you're probably right. Yeah. But it's like I, a low rent strip club. I mean, listen, I love the idea that this is just a bar and this is just some night at the bar. <laughs> imagine, yeah, who are the women? Imagine if you go to this bar and this was like the night that you missed. I would hang myself. <laughs> yeah, you know those girls that you've had a crush on for months and have been too afraid to talk to? They were completely naked yeah. on stage. <laughs> it actually was reminding me a little bit of that wild bar scene in Hot Dog the Movie where oh, yeah. all of a sudden it's a wet t-shirt contest right. and this is completely insane. That bar needed Wade Garrett. Dalton doesn't ask for help outright, but, you know, he's got Wade's attention a little bit by calling him out of the blue. Yeah, it definitely has him thinking. Well, he asked him, he's like, do you know, have you ever heard of Brad Wesley? And Wade Garrett's like, no. And he sort of just lets it drop at that. Yeah. He leaves it like something is amiss. Cut to Carrie Ann singing on stage with the band. Yeah, I think, you know, I said it earlier, one of the worst songs on the soundtrack. (laughs) And not her singing, this song just stinks. Denise makes her move on Dalton. She walks up to him. She says, why won't you look me in the eye, Dalton? He answers, I'm shy. She counters with, would you be shocked if I said, let's go to my place and fuck? <laughs> Imagine hey, this woman coming up to you and I, oh, saying that. Oh, I know, that. dude. That's all I was thinking. Have you ever had something like this happen no. in your life? <laughs> I probably would have started crying yeah, out of I, fear. Exactly. <laughs> We've talked about it a million times with these situations in movies. I would just be like, "What is this? What is this? Some kind of joke? <laughs> <laughs> Who's fucking with me yeah. right now?" Yeah, I'm not getting the sense that. Denise was like really into like safe sex either. And this is like <laughs> the 80s with AIDS. I, I don't know. It would have been yeah, like I a know. very intimidating moment. I'd say so. And then, you know, me with this woman that looks like this and you're like fumbling with the condom that she doesn't yeah. even really care about. And then you're just coming all over yourself. I would be like, yes, I'm interested 
Give me a minute. I'm just going to go outside and smoke a cigarette, and then I just leave. <laughs> Irish goodbye. Yeah. You just leave town. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you know that people are going to hear about this. Oh, and like, I know. Never, I, I just have to leave now. Never live that down. It's actually just safer. I'd rather just leave it to mystery than disappoint her so hard that it becomes what I'm known for. <laughs> it's better not doing anything at all. Right. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy retrieves Denise violently which sets the stage for some of wesley's other goons this movie is mostly fun but what happens in the aftermath to denise for this is like pretty dark oh yeah well there's darkness in the movie but yeah yeah yeah. this is sort of jarring darkness yeah Yeah, well you're expecting the big jimmy dalton showdown but they're keeping it on a tease because some of wesley's other goons come in to start another fight at the double deuce Dalton pushes the melee outside, and of course, this is the moment. Doc arrives to take Dalton up on his offer wearing a skin-tight dress that can only be described as having a tablecloth pattern. <laughs> it's an absurd dress. It it's really is. super tight. She looks sexy as fuck. I was going to say. It is a horrible pattern. It's a horrible pattern, but she wears it well. <laughs> Dalton kind of just aimlessly abandoning his post here, it feels like. Well, I think the idea is that they go back inside the bar and then we cut to okay. the after party. But right. yeah, I get what you mean, though, because yeah, yeah. they have this fight. Dalton beats ass outside. One of the guys who I don't think you ever really see again looks like Fat Belding from yeah. Saved by the Bell. Do you know who I mean? Yeah. There's is... a fat guy who has a mustache. He kind of looks like Belding from Saved by the Bell. Is this the group of guys that has the, the guy with the knife in his boot? Yeah, the boot okay. blade that <laughs> Dalton pulls off his foot and throws on the roof That's of the right. double yeah. t- <laughs> <laughs> What a beat down. Hi. Hi. So you're looking for somebody? You. Always better than they are. Pretty much. Never been put down. No. Not really. How do you explain that? The ones who go looking for trouble are not much of a problem to someone who's ready for them. I suspect it's always been that way. Somebody has to do it. Somebody's got to pay somebody to do it. Might as well be you. I better take you home. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. You're still going to start charging that bum rent. So this is officially Doc and Dalton's first date. They go to a bar. The idea, I guess, is that Dalton is classy. He wants to fuck this doctor rather than the trashy bar fly played by Denise. Makes sense. I think we all kind of strive for that. 
she's slumming it a little bit because I think on the surface she's a little bit repulsed by the violence, but she's also turned on by it. She peppers him with questions like, have you ever lost a fight? What's it like to do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I think there is a limit to how much she can take with it, but it's exciting for her. Yeah. She sees a lot of interesting potential here. Obviously, it doesn't hurt to look like Patrick Swayze. And be from out of town. Just to be somebody who's not under Wesley's thumb, you know, I think that's appealing to her. And he's an enigma wrapped in a mystery. That's true. The philosophy angle, the whole deal. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get a lot of that package. When they get back to the double deuce late at night, Dalton's car is trashed again. She's like, your fan club? (laughs) They are devoted. The next morning, Wesley summons Dalton to his home. And as you alluded to, Denise has earned herself a black eye for what happened at the Double Deuce the night before. Now, do you think that that's Wesley or or, or Jimmy? Oh, my God. That's insane that you just asked that because that's literally what I was going to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have that. I thought you were going to say that was the dumbest question ever. No, because I know this is stupid, but I think the first time I saw this movie, which however long ago that was... I thought that she was Jimmy's girlfriend because of the way he drags her out of the bar. That's right, yeah. And there's not a ton of times with Wesley and Denise together, so you never really see them interact much. Yeah. So my idea then would have been Jimmy did it. Right. And I still kind of think that Jimmy did it. You know, obviously we know it's Wesley's girlfriend, but you just feel like Jimmy does the dirty work. Yeah, he didn't do it without Wesley's permission. Right, right. It was back at the house. Wesley probably do you gave think him the that nod. Jimmy was giving him all the dirty details like he was eavesdropping on the conversation. Probably. You won't believe what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a weird little triangle they got for themselves. Uh, this kitchen scene, I-, I think, is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. I just love the dialogue here. I love Ben Gazzara's performance in this scene. Well, before we get to that, okay. I have one more thought about Denise's black eye. All right, let's hear it. So when Dalton comes in and he looks over and sees her, she's like aerobicizing with some like generic 80s music generic. that doesn't fit with the rest of the- It's like my favorite song. <laughs> Definitely doesn't fit with the rest right. of the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. It's got no heart. She turns to see that Dalton has come in, and you that's when the audience at home sees the black eye. Mm-hmm. She rushes to cover it. So that Dalton won't see it because she's embarrassed, but then immediately moves her hand away. Yeah. Turns away, turns back, then turns away again. So what do you think she's doing? Do you think like her gut reaction was to be embarrassed and then yeah. was like signaling and to she- Dalton like, hey, this is what they did to me? Could have been a signal or could be just like she's wearing it as a badge of honor, you know? <laughs> She's not going to let this... Top three most offensive things you've ever said on this podcast. (laughs) A batch of fire. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought maybe she wanted him to know, like, hey, are you going to stick up for me? I I mean, I just think she's like, this is my situation. I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. Okay. But yes, as you were saying, this is one of the great scenes.
Bloody Mary? Some breakfast. No, thank you. Well, suit yourself. Will you shut that shit off? I can't listen to that crap. It's got no heart. My grandfather. Looks like an important man. He was an asshole. But you, you're a smart boy, aren't you, Dalton? You're just not too realistic. Christ, I'm just like you. I came up the hard way, on the streets of Chicago. You know, when I came to this town after Korea, there was nothing. I brought the ball here. I got the 7-Eleven. I got the photomat here. Christ, J.C. Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. You've gotten rich off of the people in this town. <laughs> you bet your ass I have. And I'm gonna get richer. I believe we all have a purpose on this earth. A destiny. I have a faith in that destiny. It tells me to gather unto me what is mine. Oh, Christ, you get paid for beating people up. Tell me you don't love it. Of course you do. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. Don't. I have a cousin in Memphis. Tells me you killed a man down there. Tells me you said it was self-defense at the trial. But you and I know that isn't so, don't we? Relax. Relax. Tell me, if I owned a bar and wanted to clean it up, how much would it take to get you to come work for me? There's no amount of money. Ben Gazzara delivers some of his best work in these moments. <laughs> Including, like, talking normal and then getting so pissed about that music being on. <laughs> Would you shut that shit off? <laughs> he has no shame in what he does. He makes no bones about it. He knows he's getting rich off the town, but he feels like he's providing a service. 7-Eleven is here because of me. Photo Hut is here because of me. J.C. Penny is coming here. Thanks to me. Ask anybody, they'll tell you. <laughs> How much of a dump was this town? It didn't even have a 7-Eleven. Like, that's a big get. <laughs> well, if yeah. you didn't have one, I guess it would be. They're like, holy fuck. Have you heard of this thing called a Slurpee? <laughs> I mean, there's. I don't know if there's any fast food chains here. It's weird. It almost seems like the movie Roadhouse is set in a place that's like separate from the rest of the town. <laughs> because... There are times when you kind of see a little bit down the road and you right. see other businesses that look like more normal than the fake storefront of Reds and yeah, the yeah. fake storefront of Double Deuce, which are clearly sets. And you're like, well, do those real looking places have to pay in or yeah, are I they know. exempt because they're actually a part of society? <laughs> That's right. And everything they're like part of past, a franchise. <laughs> everything past a certain line is like in Wesley's zone, which is like fake world or something. <laughs> 
At first, it seems like an innocent attempt on Wesley's part to make peace, but he ultimately reveals his true intentions. Wesley wants Dalton to work for him as he extorts the double deuce. He also reveals knowledge of Dalton's past by mentioning an incident where Dalton killed a man in Memphis, Tennessee. This is not the first time this has been brought up. Somebody mentioned it when Dalton first arrived at the Double Deuce in passing, but you're not sure if it's just rumor and innuendo or what. But now that someone else has mentioned it, you're starting to think, okay, what is this past they're alluding to? And specifically a guy that he doesn't want to mention it. Yes. This leads me to ask all kinds of questions about Tillman. Was Tillman already paying in before Dalton arrived? What's the story there? And of course... I think so, yeah. Isn't Tillman somewhat derelict in his duty to not mention this? To Dalton at all? Well, I don't think he wants Dalton to suspect any funny business. Well, it's sort of setting Dalton up to be fucked over because Dalton's like, I want control of everything. And then he starts firing Wesley's people, which Tillman would have to know is going to be a problem. Absolutely. But I think Tillman's trying to use Dalton as like a chess piece almost to stand up to Wesley. Oh, wow. So Tillman's really thinking ahead. He's not only concerned about the crime element, like in terms of the fighting and the craziness in the bar he's thinking i gotta get out from under wesley's thumb i think there is something to that because he kind of quickly or maybe he realizes it over time but he's the guy that's pushing this whole like we need to stand up to wesley yeah you scared wesley the other night (laughs) no i didn't you scared him yeah (laughs) or he was scared no he wasn't as tillman's getting like harder and harder (laughs) Obviously, Dalton declines, which I can't imagine surprised Wesley, but it infuriates him nonetheless. At some point over time, there are massive double-deuce renovations. There's no more chicken wire. The place looks completely new on the inside and out, and yet you never see any construction crews. No. It happens seemingly overnight. All of a sudden, there's lines to get in the place. Which leads you to wonder how much time has passed. Is this like months and months? And how many people live in Jasper? I just wouldn't think there would be that many people. I think we talked about this on the first go-around with this movie back in the day. But it's something that I didn't really come across this time in the notes and I'm still not 100% sure about. There is a real place called Jasper, Missouri. Right. But this is seemingly a fictional town. Yes. I think which is confusing. Yes, it is. But I think true. <laughs> but you're 100% right. This place didn't even have 7-Eleven until recently, and they can have lines of hundreds of people? I know. <laughs> well, 7-Eleven is clearly derelict in their duty. That's right. They should be opening a franchise there if there's this many people. This is a hot market. Where were they getting their pictures developed before Photomat? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the new bartender is played by Keith David, so hopefully Doc is never in a position where she desperately needs to score smack. (laughs) (laughs) Or else it's going to get real dark. That's a reference. (laughs) Requiem for a dream. Yeah. Tillman is just a pig in shit, though. He's so fucking happy, grinning ear to ear. (laughs) People are saying, hey, what's up, Tillman? He's like strutting around the double deuce. This is exactly what he had envisioned when he went to get Dalton, except now there's a big problem. He's pissed off Wesley. And Brad Wesley controls the liquor. So they're rapidly running out of supplies now that the bar is hopping all the time. Right. And so Dalton has to make a call 
never really explained who he calls. That's never addressed. It's just Dalton has some connection it's, it's somewhere. Just, again, it's the circuit. He knows people. That night, Doc goes with Dalton back to his rented room above Emmett's barn. Well, she again, she shows up. She does the just, I'm going to show up at your work move. Yeah. No phone call. No. just When you look like Kelly Lynch, yeah. you don't need to call. You just show up. And when you look like a 1989 Patrick Swayze, you can take a girl back to a barn, and she's thrilled. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love this, this place. This is super cool. I love the natural fragrance. <laughs> she probably just assumed that was Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> now she's wearing what almost seems like a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. She looks good in this number, though, I got to tell you. And in a way, if we're being real, our young lovers are actually about to consummate the whole deal. So it might <laughs> be appropriate yes, that she's wearing something yeah. that seems like a wedding dress. I got to tell you, Swayze, passionate man. Holy hell with this scene. Oh, when he picks her up and puts her against the rocks? Yeah, but even just like everything, he, there's so much fluidity in all of his motions. Well, it's weird how they marketed this movie. They definitely built around Swayze's newfound fame from Dirty Dancing. They did the tagline, like, the dancing's over kind of a thing. Like, they definitely were playing into it. Although he seems his most Dirty Dancing-esque in this scene. Well, there's a reason. Yeah. Because they used this same fucking song in a love scene in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't These know These Arms of Mine by Otis, Otis Redding. Redding. So I don't know what they were thinking. They obviously knew... I, I don't know. It's almost a baffling decision to use that song. Swayze demands it. He has it written into every contract. Hit if I'm making love. My music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is great, though. She does mention in this scene that she was raised by her Uncle Red, which is right. weird. It is. And it, it does make some of Doc's story a little bit more believable, at least for me. The fact that she's willing to hang out with just these scumbag losers. <laughs> because she was she, raised by be, one. Because she doesn't have parents. <laughs> Dalton's liking her more and more. Yeah. <laughs> she also mentions that she was previously married and that it didn't work and she was with the wrong guy. Now, uh, yeah, this is a big question. Is, is the previous Wesley? guy Wesley? They I never know. confirmed that. But it, it feels hinted at, but then the way that Cody explains it, or somebody explains it is that it's like, Cody, I think that he used to be interested in her. Which, if they I, were married, you would think. Does he, he say interested? I thought it was obsessed. Had a thing for yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, he does say okay. Had yeah, a he thing. said they had a thing. Well, broad definition <laughs> of a thing. I don't know. I mean, it is a big question mark. Well, she doesn't seem that old though. So she was already married and divorced, and then there's a whole. Th I mean, yeah, I know that real people, but like characters, usually right. in movies, it's a lot more simplified. Yeah, I'd say so, but I don't know. Big, how recently was this? Big question mark. I'm leaning towards no, that they weren't. I'm leaning towards yes. Okay. It was part of the stuff that got cut out, I just out, don't maybe. know why. Okay, yeah. Like, why is that never addressed specifically? Well, that's the only reason is that it was part of something that got cut out. Yeah. Because I think that when you're doing a movie, you try to keep characters much more simple than real life people. So if they're going to hint at a history between Doc and Wesley and then confirm it later. But she's also talking about a marriage that didn't work and being coy about it, really. I just don't know why you would have her do both. That seems like too much. But, I mean, it could be either way. Yeah. I don't know. They don't really confirm it. So I guess in the canon of Roadhouse, you'd have to say no, that they weren't. 
married that it was some uh, yeah. somebody else because they never confirm it but it feels like that was what they were going for to me at one point it feels like it yes but i do feel like the way that cody well come on we have to listen to cody well now? yeah i guess he's not the best resource but <laughs> he's the one we you. have <laughs> good to see you but either way regardless of if they were married or not or whatever the deal is with wesley she must know the location of where they are and what's across the pond? Like, she has to know. Yeah, and she's certainly not afraid to flaunt it. I mean, come on. Yikes. I'm very comfortable with the post-coil nudity. I, I love it. You see a little bit from both of them. I'm comfortable with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting phrase. I know. That's why I keep saying it, because I think it's funny. <laughs> Bill Murray, or one of his brothers, always calls Mitch Glazer his best buddy. And Kelly Lynch's husband to tease him about this scene anytime Roadhouse is on TV. It's like a recurring thing. Okay. And most recently, I saw Kelly Lynch in a brief, brief appearance in On the Rocks, the Sofia Coppola movie, which was oh. produced by Mitch Glazer, starring Bill Murray. Mitch Glazer famously wrote Scrooge. I right. think we talked about him a little bit then. He's That's one right. of Murray's buddies, and he's been married to Kelly Lynch for a long time. Yeah, good poll. <laughs> Doc wants Dalton to stay in Jasper, but he's not into it, which I feel like she should be insulted by. Yeah. He's like, no. And then her move is to then like get on top of him and just start riding that dick on the roof. Well, she's trying to give him a reason to stay. And then we f- see that Wesley is watching their second time going at it across just in the darkness. oozing with anger. <laughs> Yeah, I have to imagine that if, I don't know what their relationship was, maybe he was just obsessed with her and she never gave in, whatever it is, or they dated, or they were married, whatever. I like it more that there was never anything and that he was just obsessed with her, even though I think them being married before is like adds an interesting dynamic to the little rivalry going on. It does make you question Doc. You're right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, she's misguided. I think that's fair. But- I I just can't imagine actually watching this, no matter what their scenario was. Unless he's like never seen her naked, and then he's like, holy shit. (laughs) But also angry. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was trying to get to was, I I like the idea of this woman that he's obsessed with, and then she leaves town, and he just cannot handle it. Well, that's the thing. It's like she was married, and then she also left town for a while. Like, how much? I don't know how old is she supposed to be. And what brought her back to Jasper? She couldn't Red. find something else out there. She doesn't have any other family. Yeah. Well, it's the next day when Cody sets Dalton straight about Doc and Wesley's past. As we mentioned, it's sort of ambiguous, though. And it, this is where I was questioning how long has this band been here and how long are they staying? <laughs> well, like, even I if know. they're great and everyone seems to like them, you wear out your welcome at a certain point. Like, Absolutely. Wouldn't you want to bring in different entertainment? Don't really want to hear the same songs over and over every night at the Double Deuce for the rest of my life. <laughs> Then again, the bars I was going to pretty much playing the same songs on the jukebox every night. Yeah, it's been a while by Stain. Yeah. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Everyone getting furious that it's being played again. <laughs> the Double Deuce finally receives a fresh supply of liquor, thanks to Dalton, but Wesley's henchmen attempt to destroy it. Conveniently, enter Wade Garrett. The aging but legendary Wade Garrett arrives just in time to help Dalton fend off the thugs. Wade refers to it as the double douche. Yeah. At least that's what it sounds like to me. 
the subtitles on my Blu-ray disagreed, and they just say that it says he's saying the double deuce. I don't believe that. It does not sound like that. I think it's hilarious that he says the double douche, right? Am uh, I wrong? No, I think you're right. Actually, I've only recently realized the shocking amount of errors in subtitles that are out there. Yeah, well, it's humans typing them. That's They're right. They're obviously yep. going to make mistakes. Once again, it's Cody doing the introductions for everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, Wade Garrett. That's right. Everyone in the bar, like, everyone stops and turns. Well, they're actually outside on that oh, loading dock thing. Yeah. He's only doing it for, like, yeah, a few right. people. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just thinking about the scene after, because he walks in and, and Tillman has another embarrassing moment. But, yeah, you're right. Outside, when that intro happens, one of the people's like, holy shit. And <laughs> Wade Garrett's like, that's right. Yeah, Tillman's like, I know you. Oh, so that, creepy. Probably Tillman's most embarrassing moment. Yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah, it is weird. I did notice, though, Wade Garrett, bit of a dirty fighter. Well, yeah. You would say? Yeah, yeah. He's like Ric Flair. <laughs> he is kind of. Yeah. Going for knees, crotch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, too. Not resorting to it. No, that's no. like his opener. Yeah. I was wondering about the CTE situation of all of the people involved. <laughs> Just constantly getting punched in the face. Yeah, a lot of blows to the head. According to Sam Elliott, all of the actors essentially did their own stunts in the film. Everyone was beat up at one point or another. Stunt fighting. I know that Swayze hurt himself pretty bad in the final fight with Jimmy, which we'll get to later. Tackling him off a motorcycle? I don't know which part yeah. specifically, but he had to have a lot of fluid drained from his knee, and it, it actually cost him a part in Predator 2. Oh, wow. Although he made Ghost, so I think it worked out, because Predator 2 is not really that great, in right. my opinion. That night, Dalton introduces Wade to Doc, and Wade is just like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime a woman's involved, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> But seemingly within hours, Wade makes what appears to be half-hearted attempts to steal her away. I I would say this is a move. It actually had the feeling of a potential three-way dance. Yeah. And yes. Uh, The swoop is being attempted here, it feels like. Sam Elliott does show us his pubes in a scene that's almost like out of Jaws, where he's like, but he's the only one doing it. Because he's talking about his own injury, and then he goes, I got even a better one. (laughs) They're like, okay. Yeah, one-upper of himself. It does have that feeling of almost like the song Common People by Pulp (laughs) with Doc. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like, she's really slumming it on purpose. Like, she's a fucking doctor. Absolutely, and beautiful. But she's like, I want to hang out with these bouncers that are, like, showing me their pubes. (laughs) Hang out at a bar like way past close till the sun comes up. Then we're going to some shitty diner. She's almost, making a scene. Yeah, she's almost like a Dr. Chalice from Halloween 3. She's like, I don't even give That's a right. shit. I'll get drunk and then sleep for two hours, then go into work. Absolutely. I know. It seems absolutely insane. I just can't imagine this being my life as like a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that Swayze was probably about my age. Yeah, I think you he guys was like late thirties. Similar and... physique, I'd say too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm literally like Chris Farley in the <laughs> Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> no, I was thinking the Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah, yeah. The... And then Sam Elliott, I think, was 
already maybe in his 40s, late 40s. Hard to tell, has kind of looked the same for his whole life. So, yeah, the fact that they're doing this at that age, I can't even stay up till like midnight anymore. They're out all night. Dude, I know. If Getting I... beat up. <laughs> like, they're physically beat up, and then Drinking they're like, let's stay up all night. Heavily. Well, as Wade puts it, he'll sleep when he's dead. That's true. So they drink until daylight, then they go to another place where they can dance, and now it's daylight Although, out. I, they say let's go someplace to dance. They're I the only ones dancing. I don't think they're supposed to be dancing here. <laughs> no. But who's going to stop People them? are, like, eating breakfast. Yeah. And I will say that Wade is one suave motherfucker. Absolutely. You could see Doc going for him if Dalton wasn't in the picture. Totally. She's in. Yeah. I think Wade Garrett, it's any woman. Like, when he walks into a room... Yeah. There's a, a trance, basically. I wouldn't even be surprised if they had clashed over a woman once or twice in the past. Well, you know what? You brought up cocktail. Does this not kind of remind you of, like... It could have gone in like that Like the direction. Tom Cruise, whatever that guy's name is, whoever his uh, little Jedi Coughlin. master is. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like there's... Coughlin. Coughlin. Yeah, there's... I, I could never know how to that, pronounce what's it. What's that actor's name? Like Brian Brown or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like... One of those situations. That gal's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. <laughs> you got your hands full, kid. What's the matter? You're still living in the past, aren't you? A long way from Memphis. Memphis has nothing to do with it. Bullshit. That dog won't hunt. I can't believe you're still dragging that shit around with you. Seems to me you'd be a little more philosophical about it. And cut it the fuck loose. You know that fucking... That girl never told you did she? And when a man sticks a gun in your face, you got two choices. You can die or you can kill the motherfucker. Don't mean to bust up the party or anything, but my shift starts in a couple hours. <laughs> Thought I'd go home and get a little sleep. You guys tired? Doc, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. Thanks for the dance. This is also one of my favorite scenes when Wade's getting real about Dalton's past and he's bringing up what happened and how Dalton can't get over it. And he's like, <laughs> That cunt woman. <laughs> I never told you she was married. Right. <laughs> that dog won't hunt. <laughs> dropping truth bombs oh i know it's great and it is cool it is reminiscent of the early days of game of thrones where they're just teasing you a little bit about this past and you're like it's great because you don't know the full story so you start putting it together clearly dalton was working some gig he gets involved with a woman the woman turns out to be married the guy the husband tries to kill him he ends up killing the husband that's right by ripping his throat out <laughs> his move his finishing move, like it's a fucking fatality they in teach Mortal Kombat. That in Tai Chi. 
it gets very intense while Doc's away going to the bathroom. And then when she comes back, they're just sort of like still awkwardly gazing at each other. Yeah, reminiscing about some event that happened. A murder. Her shift is starting soon. Wade says, thanks for the dance. Yeah, <laughs> a good finishing touch. This is always like a line of demarcation for me in this movie when it cuts back to the double deuce and Cody is just fucking wailing on the cover of White Room. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's just like, it's such the perfect dramatic moment where you're like, okay, I know things are ramping up That's now. That's right, yes. We're headed into this We're kicking into next gear. level. This is the no turning back point. After witnessing Doc fucking Dalton and after Red refuses to give in to Wesley's persistent extortion demands, the auto parts store is set ablaze. The building explodes before the flames can be extinguished right in front of a stunned double-deuce crowd that has spilled out from the bar and into the parking lot. In the immediate aftermath, Dalton, not wanting to further exacerbate matters, allows Wesley and his men entrance into the club. Ah, with a fire like that, nothing they could do. Nothing. Jack Daniels. Thank you. It's like a morgue in here. Play something, Elvis. Get those firemen in here. I want to buy them a drink. They risk their lives to save a no-good faggot draft dodger like Red Webster. Ask for a little contribution to improve the town. Everybody digs deep except for him. <laughs> of course you can dance, honey. Elvis, play something with balls. And Wesley is just on it right now. Oh, yeah. Elvis, play me something with balls. <laughs> Get those firefighters in here. I want to buy them a drink. <laughs> I want to buy those men a drink. <laughs> There's nothing they could do. Denise is there. She wants to dance. Man, the build for this scene is just so good. He's like, yeah, you can dance, honey. Everyone is just like lingering at this moment. It's a perfect tension builder. This whole thing where she's going to like get on the stage and start stripping, I guess, is something that she's doing against Dalton. Stripping towards Well, it's Dalton. almost like a defiant thing right. at Wesley's behest. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. we're in charge now. Everyone's just watching, waiting for this thing to explode. So Denise goes on stage. Cody's wailing away on the guitar, playing a song. And she starts to strip tease. She gets topless in her underwear, which are... These underwear that are almost like impossible to describe. They're so out of fashion. Where I guess like in the eighties, I don't know I don't know why, but they would wear these like panties that like they would be cut really high on the leg, but uh-huh. on the waist they would go above the belly button. They would go that high. Yeah. They're the craziest underwear I've ever seen. It's an seen. odd look. It's not super flattering. No, they look like a diaper. Right. <laughs> Because they're kind of doily designed, too. Yeah, it's strange. But anyway, she's doing this dance. She looks incredible. She's pissed that Dalton, A, has not responded to her advances, and B, didn't step up when he saw that she had a black eye. Yeah. So he sort of did nothing, and now she's like almost 
begging him to stop her from doing this. Yeah, do you think that she's over her pursuit of Dalton now? I don't know what she's thinking. I have yeah. some theories because okay. she never appears in the film again after that's this. That's true. So I have some thoughts. But she looks incredible. Everything that's transpiring to the people who aren't directly involved, this is happening much to their delight. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> I'm okay with this. I wasn't expecting I'll allow this to it. happen tonight. Thought I was just oh, you mean get... the hottest chick that ever came in here is just going to be topless now? Yeah, I, I thought I was just going to okay. get a 75-cent Miller Lite draft, but... Uh... You know, there's a woman just stripping here. I actually have a theory that the next morning she wakes up and she's so ashamed of herself. She's almost like she's Marcy gotta... from The Married with Children we just did. <laughs> <laughs> you know how she was saying that the woman who was photocopying right. her butt was going to be so embarrassed? She's, she's... going to wake up the next morning and Denise is just going to head out of town. Yeah, skipping town. Because we never see her again. I don't think Dalton would kill a woman anyway, but she's not there at the conclusion of the film. Well, it depends how angry he is. <laughs> he usually is able to keep himself centered. Wow. <laughs> All right. I didn't know we were going this hard on Dalton. I thought nah. we still thought he was pretty good. No, Dalton is good, but there is a darkness there. I know? don't think he would kill a woman. No, I don't think Come so on. either. I'm giving him a hard time. <laughs> he rips Denise's throat out. Dalton knows I'm kidding. <laughs> That's her punishment for doing this dance. <laughs> It's a completely different movie. He just grabs her no, from the I, stage I and rips her throat Yeah, out. you know, you were hitting at something earlier, and I think there's some truth to it. Denise needs to be saved. She was hoping that Dalton would be the one to save her, and he's sort of ignorant to that. Yeah, I think that you could view this and think she's just a tramp. She's with the bad guy, so she's bad. But let's be real. She's just a real person. She made a decision that was going to better her life get with the richest man in town, and maybe she's regretting it. Now she's stuck in this abusive relationship. That's right. She's a victim. I think so. She doesn't really do anything bad in the movie. Yeah, you could say like doing the striptease is supposed to be bad, but, I mean, come on. Not really. Yeah. Not in the 80s. She needs to get out of this situation with Wesley. He doesn't like the same music as her. He's, <laughs> he's evil. That's most important. <laughs> the hitting is number two. Right, and the fact that he's just completely vile and evil. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that you could view this striptease as like her last gasp attempt to get Dalton's attention. And when that doesn't work, she's just like, fuck it, I got to get out of here. That's right, yeah. Because we never see her again. And there are opportunities where she could just be standing there and she's not. Like at the car dealership Absolutely. She's just not around anymore. Dalton grabs her and takes her over to Wesley. If you're going to have a pet, keep it on a leash. Oof. You're right. That was harsh. Yeah. That was harsh. I know, she didn't deserve that. Right, I know. You're going to have a pet. Keep it on a leash. Oh, you you mean that Roadhouse might be a little misogynistic? <laughs> Just a tad? Yeah. She's got the best pair of attitudes I've ever seen. <laughs> Insane. After Denise's dance, Wesley deploys Jimmy, who is a violent ex-con and a skilled martial artist, it turns out. How he came to be in the service of Wesley? Unclear. He probably played on like the Jasper football team. He's been, he's a lifer. Okay. He's a townie. Yeah, yeah. Just a badass, a local badass. That's true. <laughs> Jimmy's going to start a brawl with the Double Deuce Bouncers, building anticipation for the Jimmy versus Dalton showdown. By the way, I like the way, and it actually happens a couple times in the movie, how you announce you're ready to fight is by just taking a beer bottle and slamming it on the ground. Yeah. 
declaration means, of a fight. That means it's time to go. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of great moments here. First of all, Jimmy rocking the Canadian tuxedo. That's yep. Then once he dispatches of a couple of the bouncers, including like the big fat guy, he takes this pool cue, uh-huh. essentially jams it into the side of the fat guy who's laying <laughs> unconscious. He uses him to catapult off. Pole vaults onto the stage doing a flip so that he can call out Wade Garrett, just like with the hand, like, come on. You. He points at him, right? And says, yeah. you. And it does seem like Jimmy's probably going to get the best of Wade. Yeah. I think Wade's walking with a little bit of a limp. Yeah, he's been know? selling a limp the whole movie. He looks a little bit overmatched these days. Right. That's why he's got to resort to like the dirtiness. To yeah, I'm not even... necessarily buying Sam Elliott as a great fighter. He never really shows anything to you <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> We're mostly coasting off reputation with Wade Garrett. Absolutely. He's not really showing me a lot. <laughs> yeah. I heard your balls were so big you could come in a dump truck. Hey, imagine getting so a... far. You ain't shown me shit. That's what I'd say <laughs> I to just Wade love Garrett. That, getting that as a reputation. Yeah, my response would be what? <laughs> Ew. What about my balls? So then Dalton has to jump in, and just as Dalton and Jimmy are about to go at it, Wesley fires a gun into the air, calling an end to the fight, and he and his crew leave. What was the purpose of this? Just to sort of flex his muscle a little bit? Yeah, this is like another warning. Because he says, like, it's just not working out, Dalton. That's right, yeah. He's giving him every opportunity. There's too much of a crowd. He realizes that if he, he's going to have to kill Dalton. I think. Even though he can basically get away with anything, he can't kill someone right. in cold blood right in front of a crowd this big. Although so other he's people in town he's will have to do it. later. <laughs> well, the stakes keep getting raised. That's true. The next day, Red says he's packing up and leaving town in sort of a bizarre scene in a living room that doesn't feel like it's a part of the same universe <laughs> as this movie. I know. That house is like, is this in another place? Right. <laughs> you scared him. Tillman just can't even I mean. your friend is leaving town he's got a fucking boner about scaring wesley the night before it's like what are you talking about yeah he's acting like the the times are a change in like we have a new hope here in dalton turns out he's right but he he's a little premature yeah and the rest of the crew certainly isn't seeing that yet later in front of dalton doc and the good citizens of jasper wesley's men destroy another local business this time a car dealership by driving through it with a fucking monster truck. And, yeah. And it's the legendary Bigfoot. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Evidently. That's cool. So, I think I remember talking about this the first time we ever did Roadhouse. This, to me, I know we're suspending disbelief, and I'm okay with that, but actually going to, like, a licensed Ford dealership <laughs> and fucking up all these cars seems like it would draw a lot of attention. Yeah, well, from the insurance claim alone. Right. Like, what the fuck is going on down Unless there? Unless the guy that owns it just is going to, like, fall on the sword and be like, I fucked this all up. Yeah, I guess that might be what they're implying. But, yeah, it does seem like an incident this big would extend beyond the universe of Jasper. Right. And it would maybe cause other things to come crashing down on Wesley. But this is Roadhouse. It That's doesn't right. matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the one, though, where it's like, okay, all right, you, you blow up a local auto parts store. I'm in. Imagine a young couple getting married and being like, should we raise a family here? This is the most dangerous city in America. Great Who place. would want to live mm-hmm. here? Great place to raise a family. <laughs> they have 7-Eleven and they're yeah. getting a JCPenney. 
<laughs> I think you have to drive to Kansas City for the good stuff. That's right. But Wesley's got a threat for Doc. Dalton needs to leave town or he's going down. This is my town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you, Brad? You lost your mind? Hey, he's a drifter, you know. See you wind up with somebody like that. It's a shame. This has nothing to do with him. Well, you get him out of here, Elizabeth. Because if you don't, he's going down. And I'm not going to lose a second sleep about it. Stratemeyer. I never thought you'd turn on me, too. My town. Don't you forget it. Let's go, Jimmy. Wade tries to talk some sense into Dalton. Wade wants to get the fuck out, but Dalton's having none of it. Yeah, I don't know at what point Dalton got invested in these townspeople to the point that it's causing him to have these... I don't know what you call them, uh, anger-releasing workouts. <laughs> well, it's a combination of two things. Yeah. First of all, that doctor pussy. That's right. It's got to be heaven. Number two, <laughs> Okay. it's become personal. Yes. He doesn't care that much about the town of Jasper. He doesn't want this asshole to get over on That's him. right. And that's the weakness, in a weird way, of Dalton. The smart move, the Dalton move, is to cut your losses and just bail brad wesley picked me before he fucking rips jimmy's throat out oh, i yeah. think he could have convinced doc to come with him and then what everyone's on their own i guess if you don't like living under wesley's thumb you can leave too yeah but no True. now he lets it become personal which is exactly what he told his bouncers not to do right they called his mama a whore there was a great plan here just take doc look she can get a job anywhere yeah, well, uh, so can he. He's famous. Well, that's true. <laughs> he makes more than a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, Wade, much like Red, says he's leaving, but then doesn't. Wade, you should have left. <laughs> yeah, I know. That night, Doc also visits Dalton. This is, I think, Kelly Lynch's best scene in the whole movie. Okay. Who's going to save him from you? <laughs> She's got very similar intent. Yeah. With Wesley's warning still ringing in her ears, she attempts to persuade Dalton to leave. See, Wade should have used this moment to swoop in on Doc. Yeah. Let's you know, hit the bricks. That's Doc. right. Let's get out of town. If we both leave, he might come, but maybe he won't, and then we can be alone. Yeah. I booked us one hotel room, one king-size bed. <laughs> We're either going to be a couple or a thruple. Yeah. I'm open either way. <laughs> Dalton remains stubborn. Their conversation is interrupted by an explosion at Emmett's house next door. Dalton. You're late for a house call, don't you think? I came to talk to you. No. You came to tell me to leave. I care about you, Dalton. You don't know him. Bullshit. I know exactly who Brad Wesley is. I have seen his kind many times. He keeps taking and taking until somebody takes him. It's obvious nobody in this town can stand up to him. But you can stop him. Brad Wesley picked me, 
And when he did, he fucked up. I am only good at one thing, Doc. I never lose. What never. are you gonna win? Who's this for anyway? You doing it for them? I don't think so. You think you're gonna save these people from Brad Wesley? Well, who's gonna save them from you? Thankfully, Dalton rescues Emmett from the fire before the house is completely destroyed. He then witnesses Jimmy fleeing the scene on a motorcycle and somehow manages to chase him down on foot, dive, and tackle Jimmy off of the cycle. Now this, to borrow the terminology from Home Alone, is the silver tuna of the film. <laughs> yeah. This is what you're waiting for. Right. Immortalized by Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec when he... <laughs> describes his favorite movie which in a weird way is like a precursor to this podcast <laughs> he's basically just doing the podcast yeah everything's great you have the maniacal laugh from jimmy right he pauses from driving away <laughs> i know <laughs> and then on foot dalton able to cut him off jump through the air and knock him off a motorcycle prepare to die you are such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, they fight. Not the best shit talking I've ever heard. Yeah, I would say that Dalton kind of stinks at shit talking. He never yeah. really knows what to say. Right. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> at one point when Jimmy gets the upper hand, he says, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. See, meanwhile, Jimmy, great shit talker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's disturbing on a lot of levels. You're definitely uncomfortable yeah. as you're fighting this guy <laughs> maybe one of my favorite lines in any movie ever <laughs> which i think says a lot about you yeah i'd say so after a vicious fight jimmy points a revolver at dalton but dalton kills him by ripping out his throat with his bare hand doc is horrified by dalton's brutality and leaves in disgust babe it's guy stuff babe oh yeah cool out babe that's right <laughs> Yeah, as I mentioned, Dalton got a little bit fucked up. He actually turned down Tango and Cash to be in this movie. This movie's way better than Tango and Cash. However, Tango and Cash made a lot more money at the box office. Although I can't imagine it made this much money post. It's sort of a, a popular movie too, I guess. Yeah, but Tango and Cash, but come on. This is... Roadhouse is immortal. Legendary. Iconic. And then because of his injury... He had to like cool it with the action stuff, so he does Ghost, which is a huge movie. That's right. And huge one of the hit. biggest movies of the 90s, I think, in terms of box office. Yeah, I think so. One of my mom's favorite movies, too. So there you go. It's definitely a mom movie. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom suddenly had a huge interest in pottery. <laughs> <laughs> After it becomes clear that Doc can't save Jimmy and she storms off. Becomes clear by her rolling him over. Yeah, she realizes what happened. <laughs> He's like, well, he's dead. <laughs> Time of death right now. Uh, Instead of a proper burial, Dalton just grabs his body and pushes it back across the water and says, Wesley, fuck you. <laughs> Who's scooping that corpse out of that pond? I'd probably Tink. You yeah. think it just stays there forever? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a water death. It's a water funeral. Just this bloated, stinking corpse. Ugh. Yeah, pretty rough scene for Doc here. In the sense that she's seeing her boyfriend rip out another man's throat and then just sort of go on as if that's okay and normal. Well, 
Yeah, Dalton does have a little bit of a reaction, like, oh, shit. Like, he does react a little bit. True. But it's more of an indictment on Doc, because, like I said, I think she was getting excited about this life. It was turning her on. She should have known. Right. But there was a limit to it, and now she's sort of disgusted with herself. Although it doesn't last that long. No. She She gets over it eventually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She witnesses a lot more death, and yet gets over it pretty quick. Right. In the morning, at the Double Deuce, Dalton receives an ominous phone call from Wesley, who vows to have either Wade or Doc killed, depending on the flip of a coin. Sort of like Dark Knight situation. Yeah, I think that's where Nolan got it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dalton refuses to participate, so Wesley hangs up, leaving the outcome unknown, much like the Joker. Then... A badly beaten Wade staggers into the bar, leading Dalton to believe Doc is the one in danger. Yeah, although it is weird. Why not just take Wade with you? Yeah. <laughs> why leave Wade there? I don't really get it. I don't know why you would think that that means it's Doc. Well, Wade says, they told me I was lucky. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I would just be like, well, maybe they just didn't finish the job with Wade. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they had to throw that line in there. But still, I would take Wade with me at that point. Stay here, the double deuce, where it's safe. So Dalton rushes to the hospital, but Doc refuses to leave with him. She is repulsed. (laughs) (laughs) She's not in She's finally waking up, being like, what the fuck am I doing hanging out at this bar all night? This fucking guy that rips other people's throats out. You know what? Dalton, I got eight and a half hours of sleep last night. It was glorious. I can't live this life anymore. Really? It was like a jolt of excitement for like a couple nights. But I'm 32 years old and yeah. I am a doctor. I'm already divorced. <laughs> I got to calm the fuck down. Get my life together. She's like, did you know I have two kids? <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? It just cuts to his car screeching out of the parking lot like Sia. <laughs> Goes back and gets Wade Garrett and was like, you're right, let's leave. <laughs> when Dalton returns to the Double Deuce, he finds Wade sprawled out on the bar with a knife lodged in his chest. Enraged, Dalton pulls the knife free and storms out, determined to settle things with Wesley once and for all. I Not really know. protecting the integrity of this crime scene, by the way. No. Just yanking the knife out. <laughs> but again, we know there's going to be no investigation. Right. You know, we don't even know what happens to these bodies. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. If you're the local undertaker, business is a booming. I don't know why, but it always feels like there's going to be something else between this and the car just driving towards... <laughs> Wesley's house, but there's not, and no. that's, it's better that way. It's perfect the way they do it, <laughs> and nothing has ever made more sense to me than how this car is able to drive on its own. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> and it's genius, too, because he does rush right from the double deuce, and he somehow plans this all out perfectly. How am I going to get into this compound? How am I going to take everybody out? What am I going to do? I got to send this car forward without me in it. I've got this knife. So Dalton speeds recklessly toward Wesley's estate, his Mercedes barreling towards a group of the bad guys who are diligently awaiting his arrival. The henchmen shoot at the car, most notably Pat, the bartender, just leg almost like dancing while he's firing <laughs> so that shotgun. Looking. <laughs> and like before he's firing it, he's standing there using the shotgun to scratch his back. <laughs> 
He's like in his own movie. <laughs> yeah, I think he's the one that's like shit talking some girl or something, yeah. or talking about her. He's like, she could suck start a motorcycle or something like okay. that. Okay. I don't even know what that means. It's an expression that people use. <laughs> the henchmen are firing at the car, which of course explodes and flips. This is Roadhouse after all. <laughs> For a moment, it seems as if they've killed Dalton, but Dalton isn't in the car at all. He had it rigged to accelerate by stabbing the gas pedal with the knife that killed Wade Garrett. Brilliant. <laughs> Just brilliant. Brilliant reveal, brilliant execution. Using that distraction, Dalton sneaks onto the property and eliminates Wesley's henchmen one by one. Pretty easily, I'd say. It starts off with us not even seeing Morgan, Terry Funk, get killed. So it almost has a you were never really here vibe, like the climax of that movie for oh, a minute. Yeah. Right, right. And then you start to see the violence escalate. But it's strange. There's just a body laying there. Yeah, I know. It's almost disappointing. You kind of wish you got to see him take out some of these other dudes. Yeah, because pro wrestlers know how to fake fight, obviously, and you think of the extended fake fight between Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Keith David, who was in this movie, Yep, in They Live, I think Funk and Dalton could have had something special going. Absolutely. A hardcore match. <laughs> Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. I want you to keep in mind, as Dalton is mowing through this crew, that these men, while evil are arguably less evil than Wesley, right? Yeah. Their boss. Right. And he's no problem killing them. They're dead. Just keep that in mind. Okay. He's back to rocking the karate shirt, jeans combo. He really likes this look. <laughs> this is his yeah. badass look. Not one I'd recommend. Finally, he gets to Tinker, the heavy set guy. Both teams in this movie have a fat guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. This scene is so absurd that... You have to know that people involved with the making of this film knew that this movie was sort of funny and tongue-in-cheek. Had to be. This is way over the top. This is a goof. He pushes a stuffed polar bear, like a taxidermied one, all the way across a room, not just onto Tinker. Well, do you get the sense that Tinker is supposed to be the one from this crew that we're supposed to kind of root for? Like, he's never really as evil as the other guys. He's well, just yeah, kind he's of a just dope. Yeah, he's a dummy. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. He's just being led around. But yeah, he has plenty of opportunity to move, but he watches this polar bear getting pushed across the room. And then it's on top of him and knocks him unconscious. He's not dead because he factors into the very end of the film, but that wipes out Tinker, and that leaves Dalton and Wesley. That's the thing, though. Even Dalton isn't going to kill Tinker. You know, these other guys. Yeah. No sweat, just murdered. I see you found my trophy room, Dalton. The only thing that's missing is your ass. Wesley utters the immortal sentence. Yep. You found my trophy room, Dalton. The only thing missing is your ass. <laughs> I'm just, of course, imagining Swayze's ass mounted to a wall. <laughs> Yeah, you're like having like a, a dinner. People are coming over. <laughs> Patrick Swayze's ass is just hanging up around all these dead animals. <laughs> it's an impressive trophy room. It's a little bit disturbing that he's killed this many animals, some yeah. of which seem to be endangered. Right. Well, you know, signs of a serial killer. 
The fight between Dalton and Wesley is bizarre. It's anticlimactic in the sense that you think of Jimmy as the guy that could actually take Dalton out. And he's killed with, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes left in the movie. Right. But this is the main bad guy, so you get to him last, and it ends up being closer than you would think. <laughs> like, Wesley kind of well, holds Wesley, his own for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's got to use weapons. He's crafty. Yeah. Now, we didn't really get into the specifics of it, but Dalton's, like, I guess if his finishing move, like, the rock bottom for him is, like, the throat grab. The people's elbow for him is definitely, like, the, I'm going to kick the gun out of your hand. Yeah, he's like, got a lot of spin kicks. Yeah, like, he does that. Or roundhouse but, kicks. Like, when somebody has a gun on him, he kicks it out of their hand. But it seems like it takes a long time to go through the whole kick. <laughs> like, it seems like if you were planning on shooting him, you'd have plenty of time to shoot him <laughs> before the gun is kicked out of your hand. It didn't work for Jimmy, but Wesley does squeeze off a shot. He telegraphs his move like he's a fucking player in Mike Tyson Punch-Out on Nintendo. <laughs> you just have to wait till the, he's like building up to the move. That's right. <laughs> yeah, his finishing move is basically like a fatality from Mortal Kombat or something. He's oh, yeah. ripping a throat out. So Dalton gets the upper hand, but he pauses on the throat rip. So let's go back to what I was saying, keep in mind, about the rest of the crew. He's already murdered like 20 dudes. <laughs> There's a trail of bodies leading to Wesley, and now he's having second thoughts? By the way, the population of Jasper, not that big, dramatically has decreased since Dalton came to town. But let's be real. Wesley could essentially be the most evil man in America, and he's having second thoughts of killing this guy, the guy who murdered his best friend Wade? I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Come on, dude. As Dalton, now in front of Doc, who has shown up, releases Wesley... And starts to walk away. Wesley seizes the opportunity to reach for the gun. However, he is shot to death in succession by Red, Emmett, Pete, who we didn't mention but owns the car dealership, yeah. when and did, Tillman. When did these guys all decide to show up at the house? Yeah, they just sort of quietly arrived. Were they planning this separately? Did Tillman find Wade Garrett too? Well, how did Doc even find him? Right. I'm assuming somebody went to the Double Deuce... Probably Doc. Yep. She she left the hospital and was like, oh shit, I should have went with him. Shows up at the deuce. Wade is still laying there because no one collects bodies in this town. <laughs> yeah. Puts two and two together. Tells Tillman. Tillman, inconsolable. Yeah. <laughs> Tillman. <His> hero, <laughs> Wade Garrett, dead. <laughs> the movie should have been Tillman and Dalton discover Wade at the same time. Before Dalton can even react, like before he even pulls the knife out, <laughs> Tillman is already in the car, driving <laughs> over there. We got to get this guy. <laughs> Single-handedly kills all of Wesley's henchmen <laughs> and just beats Wesley to death with his fists while he's sobbing and screaming, Wade, no. <laughs> That's the ending I needed. Dalton doesn't even factor in <laughs> to the end. <laughs> Tillman just enraged. Oh, by that would death. be great. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. So obviously, Doc or Tillman found Wade and alerted everyone. They all show up to provide unknown backup because I don't think that Dalton was aware that they were all going to be there. But they saved the day. They all shoot him. They pump a lot of bullets. Yeah. Well, into you Wesley. Know, they've been thinking about this for a while. 
And for some reason, now is the first sign of police in the entire fucking movie. The police, I don't know why they suddenly they show, show up. up to Wesley's estate, which seems like it's so far from everything in Jasper, with the exception of where Dalton's living. Who called the cops? I don't know. And I don't know why they're there. They're suddenly just there. Maybe Doc. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, what the fuck's going on? And one by one, all of these random dudes, Red, Emmett, Pete, Tillman, I didn't see nothing. Do you see anything? <laughs> I didn't see nothing. <laughs> the best ending to any movie ever. The thing that you don't even think of, though, is that they're not just accepting that for Wesley. There's like 20 other dead guys. Yeah, I know. This would be like national news. The FBI would definitely get involved. I know. An entire town's worth of criminals wiped out. But everything's fine. They're just like, all right, well, I will say, if Wesley lived through this, (laughs) he was in like a tough position now. I mean, his entire crew just gone. You killed all my boys. (laughs) You killed Jimmy. He was younger than Wade. (laughs) Hell, you killed all my boys. (laughs) Just a legend. Yeah. All right. Who's going to tell me what the hell happened here? I didn't see nothing. You see anything, Pete? No, I didn't see anything. You see anything, Red? I didn't see nothing. Another thing. You see anything, Tinker? Polar bear fell on me. Even Tinker doesn't know what to say, and they just leave it at that. The cops are fine. Well, Tinker's going to have to go work at the Double Deuce now. Yeah. There's nothing left for him. And we end on the Jeff Healy band playing us out. Yeah, and then we get one more weird scene. Yeah, the skinny dip. (laughs) It feels inappropriate that Dalton and Doc are willing to just be nude and then it pans up the little bank next to the water and you see cody sitting there who's blind it feels like they're playing a trick on him by being naked it just feels like an inappropriate thing to do with a friend i mean he can't see them though yeah i know so does he even have to ever know he doesn't have to but isn't that still kind of shitty well yeah that's what i mean it feels like a trick right almost in a weird way unless they explicitly tell him we are skinny dipping cody and he's like, well, it doesn't make any difference to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it's also like the middle of the day. Well, like you said, it's out in the middle of nowhere. I think that's the, supposed to be the body of water next to Emmett's, right? Oh, good. So they're just swimming nude where Jimmy's dead body just was? <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> it floats by. <laughs> you kind of get a little tiny hint of Swayze's dick when he's running towards the water. Yes, you do. I always put the movie on like slow motion. <laughs> God, I was thinking though, how great would it be to just skinny dip with Kelly Lynch? Yeah, I think about it all the time. What an unbelievable thing to have happen. <laughs>
Even more so, though, her wearing that little number from Cocktail. Oof. You would prefer the string bikini just to straight up naked, <laughs> which is a weird choice. Well, it leaves something to imagination. You know, I, I like, I enjoy the mystery element. All right. <laughs> Although, I got to tell you, not much left to yeah, imagination. Yeah, I was thinking, like, that. what? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Okay, folks. It's been a long one. But we still got more. Let's talk a little bit about what came after Roadhouse. Okay. Now, theoretically, we could have done a little bit more research and watched the straight-to-DVD sequel, but we didn't. We needed to do that. I I refused to watch it. I think we have enough content for an episode. Roadhouse 2 was released directly to DVD in July of 2006. I distinctly remember that. That was a time period when Blockbuster and the like were still functioning, and I remember seeing it. That was the height of my Roadhouse interest. I probably first started getting into it in the years leading up to 2006, so it seemed convenient. Right. But I never rented it. Had zero interest in it. Patrick Swayze was still alive at the time, but was not in the film. It's set many years later telling the story of Dalton's adult son. It featured no characters from the original cast and only a few references to Dalton, who was reportedly shot dead before the film took place. Boo. Yeah, really. Why exist, then? Any of us. I don't mean the movie. (laughs) (laughs) The sequel confirmed that Dalton's first name was James, which could be seen momentarily on the medical chart in the original film's hospital scene, but which had been otherwise left unsaid. They reissued the original film around that time as well, and they did that weird director's commentary with Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. Oh, yeah. Which I did listen to once. Yeah, I remember. I can't remember. I think it was Mosier. Like when Emmett's house is blowing up, he's referring to it as multiple charges because <laughs> it's like a series of explosions. It really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But the more interesting thing beyond that horrible sequel is the potential remake, which has already become a story unto itself that has many layers and keeps on going. Yeah, it's it's like one of these things now, like when we do a movie and talk about it being in the works for like 15 years. I feel like this Roadhouse remake has now become one of those. On September 9th, 2015, it was announced that Ronda Rousey would star in a remake of Roadhouse. On October 12th, 2015, Nick Cassavetes was announced to write and direct the film. Oh, wow. However, plans for the film fell through, and the remake was quietly canceled in 2016. I think they got a look at Rhonda's acting ability and realized that her carrying an entire film was going to be a disaster. Okay. I think she works as an attraction, like in yeah, the yeah. Fast and Furious movie she was in. The idea of her carrying a whole movie, oof. <laughs> That's like when they had to dub Gina Carano's lines in the Soderbergh movie Haywire. Oh, right. It was like that chick from Just Shoot Me, I think, did the actual talking because they had to just dub her because it was so bad. Although she went on to be on that TV show that everyone loves, the Star Wars one. The Mandalorian. Not anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how I would have felt about it. It would have been an interesting take to have a woman play the main character, the Dalton character. I thought even before that there was talks about like Justin Lin doing a Roadhouse remake like in years well, earlier maybe, than that. maybe, but it was never officially yeah. greenlit or, or anything at any point. 
I don't know. It, I guess it would have depended on how the rest of the cast turned out. No offense to to Rhonda, but if she's the lead, I have a feeling the rest of the cast was going to shake out to be pretty weak, and right. it was going to turn into a a B movie pretty quick. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. But in November of 2021, it was reported that Jake Gyllenhaal was in talks to star in a remake of Roadhouse by MGM with Doug Liman directing. Doug Liman, of course, directed swingers and go but then went on to have many movies with tom cruise including this movie that they're supposedly making in space okay i don't know that jake gyllenhaal would be someone that i would immediately think of as a dalton type but the more that i think about it i think it could be cool it definitely takes it to an a movie absolutely and you wonder what the rest of the cast would look like gives it some cred but here's the thing I just don't know that a remake of Roadhouse could actually work. You're just not able to recapture this. Yeah, because you're going to either make one of two mistakes. You're either going to make it like the Point Break remake where it's serious. Right, right. And there's no tongue-in-cheek at all, and you're like, what the fuck is the point of this? It's just not a good movie. Or two, you're going to go the snakes on a plane route, and you're going to try to manufacture... That feeling and it never works. And if then you're it doing just feels it like a goof. Purpose. Yeah. Or a gimmick, like too gimmicky. The only thing I could think of is to try to do like a Gus Van Zant psycho, just a shot for shot <laughs> remake. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I would dig that. Yeah. That's the thing because I think if you change too much from Roadhouse, then it just becomes too absurd. You're like, well, what is this? Is this supposed to be real or serious? I don't know. It's the perfect balance of oddness. It's yes, a it universe is. that never existed and never will. And for some reason that made sense in the 80s. I don't know if that could make sense now. Yeah. They'd have to hmm, make it a world without cell phones because if cell phones are involved, it's just not as fun. Yeah. Do you make it like a period piece? I think so. It's got to take place in the 80s still. Or you could go even further back. Oh, but that's yeah, true. It can't take place once cell phones are involved at all that just can't happen i think yeah you can't have him calling wade garrett's cell phone it has to be he's calling the phone at the bar (laughs) the wet g-string contest that's right well that's the thing in today's modern age can you still do this stuff yeah can there be nudity can it be fun (laughs) or is it just gonna be not fun i guess we'll see with this jake gyllenhaal version well the fact that gyllenhaal and lyman are sort of heavy hitters it makes me curious because obviously there was a pitch and they bought into this pitch yeah because if it went from fucking ronda rousey to jake gyllenhaal that's a pretty big that's a trade-up that's a huge trade-up ronda rousey had never starred in a movie right as like the lead yeah right and no offense to her but it's like like you said that it unquestionably becomes a b movie if it's her in the lead whereas this feels like it has the potential to be something on a much larger scale. Yeah. <laughs> Best picture winner. <laughs> Roadhouse remake. That's right. Okay, so here's my quick little dream cast. If, like, if, if counting Jake Gyllenhaal as Dalton? No. Or not even that, okay. No, Just he anybody. wouldn't be my first choice. I still would go with my original idea, which was Channing Tatum. Okay. Because I think Channing Tatum is the closest you get to Swayze. Okay. Modern day. Yeah. If Paul Walker was still with us... He would have been on the short list for me. Mm, I don't know if he's like believable enough muscle wise. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Channing Tatum can get pretty ripped. Absolutely. That's true. I don't know that we ever really saw that. From You're right. And you know what? Channing Tatum, he kind of has a little experience doing. I kind of feel like Magic Mike has that right kind of vibe. Yeah, and he appeals to women and men. I don't know about men as much as maybe Swayze did, but similar. Yeah. He can pull off a lot of different things, I think. He's sort of taken like a break in his career, but I do think he'd be like the right person. What about that trailer for that movie? It's like him and a dog. Yeah. Was it just called Dog? That seemed like a... I don't know what it was called, but (laughs) that seemed like just a huge bummer. Not the movie, but the movie existing. Like... (laughs) Well, yeah, then that is the movie. Right. Like, if in the show Entourage they were doing a storyline where Vincent Chase reaches a horrible lull in his career and is just desperate for work, that seemed like the fake movie they'd have him do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We saw a trailer recently for a movie with Channing Tatum and a dog, and it just looked insane. I would still have Tatum as Dalton. And then originally I had Timothy Oliphant as. Wade Garrett, but I'm changing it now because this is a dream cast and you can get anyone you want. And I would say Brad Pitt as wow. Wade Garrett. Holy shit. I think his shirtless moment in yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, he could definitely pull off aging bouncer. Absolutely. You'd have to scruff him up even more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He couldn't be too pretty. Or, yeah. But I could buy it. Yeah, give have him start walking with a limp. A little bit of a beard or something. Yeah. A little rough. <laughs> Maybe like a scar. Wow somewhere this is yeah see if you well, walk we're in- going to the next level in a minute with doc <laughs> okay margot robbie is doc Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh it gets better too all right so what are your thoughts on that i mean you can't go wrong i think originally i had january jones and i think that's still a pretty good pick but i'm going like no limit to this anybody is available yeah i think margot robbie's the right pick I could not figure out who to pick for Denise, though. The counterpart, the other hot blonde. <laughs> they both need to be blonde. I couldn't think of anyone. Ana de Armas. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> J-Law. I, I still feel like she reads too young. I think you need somebody a little older. Okay. Like, over 30. I guess J-Law's probably about 30 now. Yeah. I don't know. She still seems too young to me. She, like, she... I don't know. Okay, that's fair. I don't have a good pick for that one. But Brad Wesley, I was really pleased with myself with this one. Okay. I could not remember who I picked originally years ago. I had no memory of this. How about this? Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. That's, that is a good pick. Just an insane Cage performance, like Bad Lieutenant style. Right. Tillman, Chris Rock. Wow. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Put a little bit of comedic edge to it. I see that, yeah. That's all I have. I didn't want to go through the whole cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about even like a Jimmy? It would be like Batista. (laughs) Well, Batista might be like way taller than Channing Tatum. That's too much of a mismatch. Yeah, because I was thinking, you said Batista, and my first thought, I almost said The Rock, and then I was like, oh my God, no. (laughs) Then I was thinking maybe Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. I, you could put Vin Diesel in that part. Vin Diesel and Nick Cage in the same movie. I don't know wow. if you can handle that. <laughs> what about somebody like really off the wall for Jimmy, like Matt Damon? <laughs> <laughs> Clooney for Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. <It's> stupid. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? What? what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? 
We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. This has been a super long episode, but we're not going to cheat you out on recommendations because I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. I think we'll be back in the middle of January with a Give Us a Second, so look out for that one. In the meantime, we're going to discuss three movies, two of which Matt hasn't seen, so I'm going to knock those off real fast. Okay. The only reason we're doing these all now is because they're theatrical releases. They won't be in the theater probably by the time we come back with a regular episode with recommendations, so we might as well talk about them now. I saw two of them on the same day. Oh, big day. Christmas Eve, that's where I'm at, seeing two movies alone on Christmas Eve. (laughs) There were some extenuating circumstances. It's none of your business. (laughs) First one was a movie called Red Rocket by a filmmaker named Sean Baker, who I had previously avoided most of his films, only because I didn't like the titles. I didn't really know anything about them. I didn't know what they were about. I didn't know what the style was. Which is a good reminder that titles matter. Well... There's a whole prelude I could give to this that maybe is a little complicated, but I once said to you within the last year or two that I feel like you've seen way more movies than me, and that shocked you. Yes. And now, I don't know about the total, but in terms of... Because I've seen a lot probably more obscure movies and older movies, but in terms of like mainstream, modern movies, and I, I know it's a stretch to even call Sean Baker's movies mainstream, but regular releases year to year from like 1990 to present day you've probably seen more because i go through these phases sometimes where i'm super picky and prejudiced against movies for dumb reasons like titles okay that may not make sense but that factors into why i skipped out on the florida project tangerine etc i just was like i don't know what these are these titles aren't exciting me i didn't know any of the people in them now you are the only person i know who saw a hundred movies in the theater in one year right there are exceptions but i'm saying there are there have been periods in my life where i've been super picky and i've skipped out on a lot of stuff that most people saw okay or a lot of people saw that probably doesn't apply to sean baker's movies but even the florida project which i heard was great willem dafoe got nominated for an oscar i was like i, I don't know what this is i don't want to see it i don't i don't like this name it doesn't mean anything to me then never saw it so i see red rocket this movie's fucking nuts it's got a little bit of safty brothers in it a little bit of like 90s indie movies in it like kids or something where it feels very naturalistic like not a ton of acting right a little bit of andrea arnold like american honey or nice. fish tank or something where yep. it feels very stream of conscious and it builds this tension the story is crazy it stars simon rex sort of a a relic from the past who was never really much of an actor he gives an unbelievable performance i don't want to spoil anything about the story but a lot of sean baker's films have to deal with variations of different types of sex work pornography prostitution things like that that plays a factor into this if this movie was more popular, more mainstream, more well-known, people would be flipping out over some of the age gap things that will come into play in another movie that we're going to be talking about in a uh, minute. Yes. It's way worse, I think, in this movie. It's not for everyone. It's a little rough and yeah. weird. Things are usually way worse in other things than the thing that's actually getting the most shit. Yeah. It's a gritty movie. It's definitely going to be in my top of the year list, which I think we we probably will end up doing, even though we said we weren't. (laughs) I loved it. Red Rocket. I'm not going to spoil anything else. Check it out. The other one was Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, 
Now, it was interesting because Matt just watched the other version of Nightmare Alley from the 40s, and I have not seen that, and yeah. Matt did not see this remake, or I guess, I don't, remake is weird because it, it's not really a remake. Yeah, I was it's trying sort to figure like, that out. Like Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards? No. More than that. No, no, no. It's like True Grit. Okay, right. Like Where the Coen brothers taking, weren't necessarily remaking the other True Grit. Somebody taking the same source material and making... A yeah, movie sort of like it. how people do adaptations of Shakespeare okay. all the time, and they don't call that. Remakes. Yeah, I didn't know that. I I would have figured that Guillermo del Toro was like a fan of the original. He might be, but it just seems like they were taking a different spin on it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the original, so who knows? It's got an all star cast: Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett. Oh, I know the cast for this is amazing. Willem Dafoe. The trailers were definitely like piquing my interest. Yeah, Tony Collette. A lot of cool people in it. It takes a while to really get going. I think the beginning drags a little bit. You're not really sure what's happening. I would say it, it unfolds slowly to get a picture of what the story is going to be. I think the ending is very cool. I liked it overall. I didn't love it. I enjoyed the old one, actually. Yeah, I've heard the old one's great. I've heard some people say it's better. Uh, I got to I gotta check it out. It was cool. Sometimes when I watch older movies, there's certain ones that just feel ahead of their time, like tone-wise. Yeah. And this was definitely in that category. Yeah, it's sort of a noir movie with a little bit of a twisted ending. I'm a big fan of Bradley Cooper, and he appears in the other film we're about to talk about, the main event of our little recommendation corner. Okay. But it's depressing. Before we get to Licorice Pizza, which is still fairly limited, even though it's pretty much in every city but it's not on a ton of screens the first two movies all right red rocket whatever that's a tiny movie but nightmare alley west side story the last duel several other movies this year are you going to talk about how quick they are out of theaters yeah they just bomb horribly anything that's not spider-man or marvel related just bombs it's depressing Obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic that didn't stop Spider-Man from already making like 500 million or whatever it is already. Right. People are going to see what they want to see. Sort you can't of really change their minds. Metaphor that for everything that's going on, the rich just keep getting richer. And I don't want to turn this into a whole anti-Marvel thing. I'm sure some of our listeners like Marvel, probably some don't, whatever. It's that's not really the issue. The issue is just that nothing else can exist anymore and the days of theatrical releases are going to be over soon. You can't sustain all these theaters across the country just on a few movies a year that are popular and everything else quickly folds and bombs. This is not going to work. And Nightmare Alley was directed by a guy that just won Best Picture and Best Director. West Side Story was a remake of a popular film by one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, or at least the greatest American filmmakers. Right. One of the most name brand ones, I mean, at least. It's getting like a two week run in a theater. Yeah, all these things are here and gone. I don't think Licorice Pizza is going to make a ton of money, no matter how many screens it goes to. Our, our showtime on Christmas Day was pretty light. Yes, it was. So it's depressing. We're headed into a bleak time. I think that 2022 is going to be an all or nothing year. There are so many movies coming out in 2022. A huge slate of them are superhero related and big budget stuff like Jurassic Park and stuff like that, and supposedly Avatar too. <laughs> but getting not, pushed back to twenty twenty three, it's almost like they're setting everything up to fail because even if it was a good year, 
next year in terms of box office. Most of those things will bomb because it's not like you can have three hits a weekend. Yeah, it's just not the world we're living in. So there's so much stuff next year that it's going to be crazy. I think Top Gun, all this shit. It's nuts. So let's get to the main event, Licorice Pizza. Matt, give us your thoughts. <laughs> Panicking. <laughs> Look, anytime Paul Thomas Anderson has a movie out, it's an event in terms of modern filmmakers, him, Tarantino. I could throw Wes Anderson in the mix too, but there's just not that many guys out there making something that's this much of an accomplishment every time one of their movies comes out. And not every single one for me is Boogie Nights or Inherent Vice, but I pretty much like all of his movies. Yeah, I actually think that in terms of consistency, Paul Thomas Anderson is the best yeah. in quality. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, kind of looking back in just like the middle of his career, he just throws out There Will Be Blood. And it's like a masterpiece. Yeah, I would say that the vast majority of people probably think of Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood as like the two best. But there are no bad films in this filmography. Right. In fact, you could yeah. say, you could make the case that they're all masterpieces. Yeah, really. I know. Absolutely. We'll get to the story and the acting, but. You watch one of his movies, and I mean, Phantom Thread, this way too, it's like, how, how does he take this topic and make it something that's so cool and artistic? And the cinematography, the scores, always great, always just great at creating atmosphere and a vibe. And this content is certainly up my alley in terms of like, anytime we're in the Los Angeles area in the late 60s, early 70s, that's like my vibe. Yeah. There was such a authenticity to the relationship of the main two characters that you really get into. I think it takes a little while to kind of get your bearings with the movie. But once we kind of knew where we were and where we were headed, I was like really into it. And while I don't have it up there as is like top one or two, I, I thought this was a great movie. Yeah, in a way that it ends up turning into a little bit of a once upon a time in Hollywood as it meshes some real world stuff with this fictionalized story not all of the characters that come in later are necessarily real but a lot of them are based on real people and that that blends real hollywood history with our characters not as not as much as once upon a time in hollywood or anything it's not taking like a specific story or anything like that but some of the the characters that infiltrate our little world with cooper hoffman philip Seymour Hoffman's son and Alana Haim, the two leads of the movies, both first-time actors. Both great in the movie, I thought. Yeah, very naturalistic. Just bringing an energy to every scene. Yeah. It's a star-making performance for Alana Haim, for sure. And I think that Cooper, much like his father, has like a big career ahead of him. I just saw something today. It was the video of Amy Adams at some award show for the master. And so sitting behind her was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. And he's with Cooper, who's gotcha. little. Yeah. And he's doing something which I think must have been on camera that Amy could see. Like he's giving like a thumbs up during her like video or something. And she smiles in the next frame. And so he's basically acting like his character from Liquor's <laughs> Pizza with an older woman. Wow. <laughs> he's charming Amy Adams That's in this amazing. little thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so obviously there's a big controversy sure. with Licorice Pizza over the age gap. Folks, if you don't want to know a single thing about Licorice Pizza, then just turn this off. 
But this is not going to be a spoiler about the story or anything, really. It's not, I don't really consider it a spoiler, but if you don't want to know anything, then just turn it off right now. They don't do anything controversial in this movie. I don't understand how this could be this big of a deal. Right. The story is way more about their connection than like a sexual relationship, which never happens throughout the entire runtime of the movie. Yes. He's I guess clearly I did spoil that. in love with her. Yeah, yeah. And yes, obviously, in a sense, that would lead to sexuality. But the movie is pretty much devoid of any sexuality. Yeah, and There's nothing it, inappropriate that happens. And the way it's presented and what you're supposed to, I think, take out of this is like, she is like in this place in her life that she has a prolonged adolescence. She feels way more of a peer to yeah. him than the older characters that you'll see her in sort of awkward compromised positions with later in the movie for those of you who don't know she's supposed to be 25 he's 15 they form this friendship now based on what you were just saying i don't want to give the impression that that means it would be okay for them to have sex or something because it doesn't it's not a reason sure, just but because that she's doesn't immature. happen in the movie i know yeah i know but i'm just saying anderson does present this idea that she is emotionally immature sure socially immature but that doesn't mean that they would then be able to have a romantic relationship. Right. And also that she can't just wait for him to turn 18 because that's basically like what grooming is. But if you saw this movie, you would know that that's not what this is at it, all. Right. But, you know, people are a little bit squeamish about it. Sure. If you saw Red Rocket, I don't think you'd be squeamish about it at <laughs> all, which is way more insane than this. But okay. The accusations of racism, there's one character in particular, it's this whole inappropriate Japanese thing. Absolutely. Which is played for laughs, which I guess like upsets people. Although Feels I do weird. think that you're supposed to laugh at this guy for being racist. I think that's the whole point, is that we're laughing at him, yeah, not I agree. with him. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson movies are filled with characters, I would say. None more so than Boogie Nights. Yeah. But it's like sort of these insane scenes with insane characters. I don't think that you're supposed to be like, oh, this is a character that we're like rooting for. No, it just it's so lame that we live in a world where you can't just depict things and let the audience decide for themselves because you have these morality police who have to swoop in and tell us that this is bad as if we don't know. Because yes, there are racists in this country, which we know, but it's weird. nobody's deciding to be racist or becoming racist because of this movie. Like, you should be reacting to the character and what the character's doing is bad, but it's almost like the reaction is the filmmaker is bad for putting it in the movie. Yeah, I know. But people treat it as if right. it's Tarantino saying dead N-word storage in Pulp Fiction, which has no real place other than it's a punchline to say it. Which we talked about when we did Pulp Fiction. That's something that does not sure. age well. And, yeah. But that's how people are acting about this, and that is not what this is. This is a character who is racist. The joke, though, is on him. The audience is supposed to laugh at him for acting like this. Right. And it's a depiction of reality. I that, get that, why it's uncomfortable. That, for I people. think uh, PTA said that he has in laws that are Japanese or something, and. Somewhere, something like that. I don't remember exactly what he's talking about. And he has seen this exact thing play out. And this is how people would have acted in the 70s. This is not something uncommon for that time period. But in today's world, you can't depict things in a film. You know, you often see the joke 
when people get up in arms about Scorsese or something, you know, people will be like, oh, yeah, I forgot the part at the beginning of Goodfellas and every other gangster movie that Scorsese's ever made where he comes out on camera himself and says, I fully endorse what these people are doing. (laughs) They are the good guys. You're supposed to like them. (laughs) Because if you don't actually have him or someone else come out and say it in the movie of who is bad or what they're doing is bad, then people can't even deal with that anymore. Right. There's no room for nuance. I don't want to get into like other movies that are out right now, but it just seems like you have to nod along in agreement with a movie's politics, and that's how you decide if it's good or not. There's no value to art, artistic expression or whatever. Licorice Pizza is a fun movie, I think. There's a scene, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a scene involving a truck that is one of the best sequences of the year for sure. It's yeah, that was It's completely ridiculous and insane. Right. Bradley Cooper is unbelievable in a small part. Absolutely. I get that they are really emphasizing Cooper in the advertising for the film because they're like, well, these other people are unknown. But he's not really in it that much, but no, he's hilarious. No, no, but I will say he brings it times a thousand which the screen time he gets. Sean Penn and Tom Waits are great too. Also in limited roles, but super Sean Penn fun. is supposed to be he's playing Jack Holden. He's supposed right. to be William Holden, the dude from Sunset Boulevard yeah, and yeah. other movies. Right. That's basically who he's playing. Yeah. So anyway, check I, out yeah. Licorice Pizza. I would recommend all three, although in order I would say Licorice Pizza is the highest, Red Rocket two, Nightmare Alley three. But support films like that because you can see Spider-Man probably three, four weeks from now, and you're going to be fine. It'll still be there. These movies come and go. They will yeah. be gone. And then there won't be theaters anymore. And there are there are conspiracy theories that I think there will Disney be destroyed some of these Fox movies on purpose. Yeah. I, well, I think the theaters will all just be a Disney theater. Yeah, you might have like one theater in your town that's a Disney theater, and right. then you might have like a small artsy-type theater. That's like the Back to the Future 2 world that we're heading into. (laughs) We're already there. Yeah. Brad Wesley will be running the town. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be hanging out at the Double Deuce talking about the good old days when we could see licorice pizza in the theater. Folks. Yeah, that's it. So we're going to take a little (laughs) bit of a break. Just, you know, a week or a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back with a give us a second. Need to uh, recuperate after this freaking marathon. Thanks for a great 2021 Follow us on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe to the podcast, please, on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever. Make sure you download every episode. Please. Thank yeah. You. Hey, really big year for the show, I'd say. Maybe download each episode twice if you have time. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. We love to read that stuff. Send us your sticker requests and potential listener requests on Twitter. We will get to your listener requests, but you will be at the back of the line at this point. So get them in as soon as possible. We're only going to do, at most, one a month next year. Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Matt, the only thing missing is your ass.
want. Anything? Andy's just acting out scenes from his favorite movies. So Swayze runs, boom, tackles the guy off the motorcycle. Dude's like, you're dead, bro, comes at him. Swayze ducks, scissor kick, try. The guy has Swayze's head, and he says, I used to guys like you in prison. By the looks of this guy, this is not consensual sex we're talking about. We see bad guy had a gun the whole time. He's like, I'm gonna kill you the old fashioned way. Swayze's like, not this time. That subtext, he doesn't say that. Bypasses the gun, hooks the arm, back to the secret move he used before to kill somebody. He feels so bad about it, but this time he has to do it because of self-defense. Takes the esophagus out of the neck area. You can't eat, you'll starve to death. And that is Roadhouse.